Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leia Nass, KN6NWZ. And we like to talk about ham radio, among many other things. So let's get started. Hello, Leia. How are you this week? Well, I'm great. We just got back from our trip to see your dad in Big Bear. It was Father's Day trip to Big Bear. That's right. It was very nice. Pretty and relaxing for me. How'd you fare? We should probably know we're recording on a Tuesday. Uh-oh. Sorry for Tuesday. everybody who's shooting for last on a Thursday. We, we'll state this right up front. We're going to adjust uh, some of the podcast record days for sanity purpose because some Thursdays I have the day off the following day. Mm-hmm. Other Thursdays I don't. And those are the toughest Thursdays. Right. Because then I go to work in the morning and I am dead. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not fair to my job. And I'm unwilling to uh, just to do that again. So uh, we are going to record some of these on Tuesdays. And then we'll finish the editing throughout the week. And it'll post the same day. So nobody has to change their listening time, which right. we felt was the best solution. Well, so. interestingly, what we've, we've decided is we're going to give ourselves a hard stop. So if we don't get through everything, we're actually going to pick back up on Thursday. So you don't know. You don't know whether the emails are going to end on Tuesday or they're going to end on Thursday. And we don't know where that hard stop is yet. This is the first time we're doing this. So who knows? It's a a whole new game. Also, it keeps some people on their toes because who knows what the last email is going to be now. That's true. Yeah, This is uh, tricksy. But uh, we did have a nice trip to Big Bear. Mm -hmm. Josh's dad's house in the back of it mm-hmm. is a preserved woods. They're right. not allowed to develop it at all. It's in a gated complex. Mm-hmm. So people outside of it can't come in and explore the woods. And it's actually a nice place to sled in the in the winter. Right, because some of the streets don't have development. So the streets literally don't get plowed or anything so it literally just turns into like a snow run which is kind of crazy and the kids always really look forward to hiking because Mm -hmm. you just walk out the back door and just just go but this time we as we were exploring we happened upon what looked like an encampment Mm. somebody had taken branches and uh, and I, i don't know if they cut down some of the more slender trees but they created a teepee okay and it was big enough for about one person and had a little uh, lawn rug inside. Oh, wow. Like yeah. an astroturf? Yes. Okay. And then underneath a nearby tree, it looked like they had set up a little fire. Wow. Right? And we found some broken arrows. So I have no idea what's going on back there i don't think it's big enough for somebody to go somebody was practicing a little bushcraft that uh that day it sounds like well i i can't imagine anybody actually trying to hunt for anything with arrows Mm -hmm. in those backwoods aside from maybe bunnies sure you can you can hunt bunnies with arrows Sure. I mean, your dad... Mess them up pretty hard. When he first moved in, there was a bear that walked down the main street. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure. I mean, there, it, it is adjacent to wilderness. That yeah. side of Big Bear where he's at is, there's not really anything behind it. And you warned the kids about mountain lions. Yeah, there's mountain lions up there, sure. All right. Well, I'm not letting them go back there by themselves. Well, that <laughs> and Edison just kept like 
going out the door where no one was and then just like was playing around and stuff. And you're like, dude, you can't be doing this, man. Right. He's uh he's not used to the wilderness. No. <laughs> yeah. But when he when Ben went back mm-hmm. to show um your sister and her husband, they were really excited to show them this mm-hmm. TP, it couldn't be found. The TP was gone. Yeah. <laughs> So we, when I was in Boy Scouts, I had one of the merit badges, which was Wilderness Survival. Mm-hmm. And the last kind of the final, if you will, mm-hmm. like you, you haven't got to the merit badge books yet. That's a Boy Scout thing. But the requirements all stand up pretty easy. Cub Scouts have a merit badge book. Not like this. Oh, I'm sorry. Trust me. It, um, it, it all starts out pretty easy. And then it just gradually gets harder and harder until like the last one is build a shelter, sleep and stay there the night. Oh, do you think that's what it was? And then you leave no trace? I don't know that that's what it was. But when I did it, I was at camp. And we went out. We went out at dark and built the shelter. And then it was like a buddy system. It was it was me and Phil. And mm-hmm. we were in the same, uh, I think it was Phil and I. And we were in the same shelter. And we had I to sleep for a couple hours. I didn't know you and Phil were in Boy Scouts together. All the, all the guys from my elementary school were in boy scouts together pretty much every single guy every guy no. <laughs> it was of, like of a boy friends. scout draft <laughs> of, my, yeah, yeah, of my of my friends all able-bodied males <laughs> you must join the scouts <laughs> come weave the baskets <laughs> i thought that was girl scouts no basket weaving leather craft woodworking mm. wood carving there's a lot of merit badges there's some wild merit badges I really like cartography. That was my one of my favorites. You have such a good sense of direction, as we've established. Mm, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us out here on the Ham Radio Crash Course. Back for another week. We really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. So with that said, Leia, we have a beverage, as we, we normally do. This is a, a homemade Leia concoction. What, what is this? What would, you, what would you call this? I made butterfly tea. Vodka club soda. <laughs> so I made vodka club soda and I put butterfly tea in it. Well, butterfly tea comes out naturally blue. It is ridiculously blue and then turns purple. When you put uh, um, citrus in it because oh. it changes the pH of the drink. So I actually made a little video of it. Maybe I'll post it in the Discord for everybody to see what we're drinking yeah, so images uh, for the podcast can all be seen on the Discord, which the link is in the show notes, and there is a HRCC podcast chat yes, where people talk about It's an off-topic. It is an off-topic because... Some people ask... So many things are off-topic on this podcast. Yes. So uh, some people did ask if we could move it to the main ham radio tab, and I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. <laughs> I just, just don't feel right. Yeah. Feel right. <laughs> well, join the conversation by leaving a review on iTunes for the Hammer Radio Crash Course podcast. We really do appreciate it. That's the place we read the reviews, and it uh, it's a nice little spot to do that. And or emailing at leah at hamtactical.com. Leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts will help the Hammer Radio Crash Course reach more hams and future hams, and we appreciate it. With Thank that you. said, I have one we're, right here. We're not doing the Ham Radio Minute? Oh, did I skip the minute? <laughs> well, I'll do the review and then I'll do the minute. Okay. Jeez, I'm all over the place. You know, this. I, I, I'm using my iPad today, which I normally use my MacBook, and okay. I think that screwed me all up. But okay, we're, we're out of order a little bit. But <laughs> thanks so much to Jason, M3YAZ, for sending a review. He said, if, Thank you, Jason. If we were neighbors, dot, dot, dot. 
Great show, educational, while not coming across as elbow pad academics. Oh. We're not even in the same acre as the elbow, el- elbow pad uh, academics. So Jason, appreciate that. I regret to inform you, I do have a blazer with elbow pads. Oh. <laughs> I wear a tank top with uh, elbow pads. <laughs> so. <laughs> what? And he says, if we were neighbors, we'd need band pass filters and be constantly pointing fingers at one another as to who is the latest source of RFI. Our wives would have a contest as to who can buy the loudest RFI generator. This sounds while, like such a fun contest. <laughs> while rolling their eyes when we say A antenna and R radio. So thank you, Jason. That was uh, that was very good. I, I laughed. I chuckled. I had a guffaw when thank I read Thank you, that Jason. One. Have your wife call me. Mm. Yeah, where did it... Oh, that's why. I see what's going on. So the Ham Radio Minute. Mm. Never a minute. (laughs) (laughs) As Leia took her drink of beverage, is get a lager. I think I might have mentioned lagers before, but there's a new one on the the, the docket here that I want to talk about. Hammers. Hammers. And it's just H-A-M-M-R-S. It was designed specifically... For po- uh, soda logs, sorry, no poda logs. I had it right the first time. Parks on the air logs, and you can actually say this log is for parks on the air. And then when you're in a park, you can say I'm at that park, and it'll preload all the stuff you would do for a How contact. Cool it makes is it really that? simple. But it's also a really good general logger. Very simple, very straightforward, very easy to use. You can export your logs out pretty quickly and easily, and you can import them into something that, you know, QRZ, Logbook of the World, wherever you log, or if you had a home logger like I do. I've mentioned N3FJP in the past, which is a paid-for log. I think I paid like $50 for mm-hmm. all of their logs. Wait, how many loggers have you used so far? I have used N3FJP. I have Ham Radio Deluxe as well. I have uh, the other one that I don't use as much but is very popular. Why can I not remember it? I'll keep going. When I was using the Mac, I used uh, Rumlog DX. That was a pretty good logger. Mac logger is also another one, MacLogger DX. On Linux, I believe I use log for OM. So yeah, there's there's always like a logger for whatever operating system you use. And these all link into the QRZ? They can. Very good question. That's where I was going with this. What you do generally is if you're using all the same family of logger, you can... Log family. Log family. Family of logs. You activate or you turn on one of them as like the server and the rest of them connect and then they will bring all the logs together. Huh. And then that one logger can then upload to the internet if you have internet connection. But often the easiest thing to do is just export the RDF file, which is the file that is what we call for the loggers, and just export that into your main logger, import that in. So the RDF file is something that the radio generates? No, the logger. You type in the log with the app. You, oh. you type it in, and then you say, okay, that guy's call sign... Uh, we were on this frequency, and uh, he was a 5.9, something like that, right? The, the contact information. Gotcha. And you hit enter, it gets added. You export all those contacts to a file. It's called an RDIF file. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you import that into your main logger. And then your main logger, if you've got it all set up with internet and all that, and, and your connections to QRZ, Logbook of the World, EQSL, whatever you use. I also use Club Log. It will upload from there up to those locations. Hmm. So there you go. There's the Ham Radio Minute. Excellent. All right. 
As far as what we're using this week, I'm going to give another shout out to Amazon for the uh, A store we've got up there for the Hammer Crash Course. My Go Box is listed there with the parts, most of the parts except for the radios that I purchased. I'm mentioning it again because during Father's Day weekend, I took my Go Box up to my dad's place and set it up in the back with a chameleon Chaw Lefts antenna, which is a and fed sloper antenna and i just did a why video why did you choose that one uh because it's a nice portable antenna that will handle well over 100 watts and still be hmm. relatively portable so i could keep it with the go box for example with a unappreciable amount of coax mm-hmm. that thing did fantastic if you're uh, following me on instagram or you watch the video that i posted that antenna just kicked butt was very surprised it's possible also that it was significantly helped by the fact that we were at my dad's which Mm -hmm. he's got a little hill right and he's already at 6400 feet above sea level basically right which does pretty okay for uh (laughs) for ham radio it turns out but so much noise well so that turned i I found that that was that little (laughs) sensor light he's got one of those walk-in sensor lights in his uh his closet yeah apparently touch lamps are not the only problem with lighting oh man i i went through (laughs) i was like dad i got bad news i gotta shut off power to your whole house and i started going circuit by circuit and of course, it was the circuit that was closest to the back of the house where I was doing the radio stuff. And I went through, I unplugged literally everything. This is all before the live stream, like two hours before the live stream, feverishly unplugging stuff. And I tracked it down to that crazy sensor light. And I couldn't get it to consistently be off. It would it would take a couple of hours and then it would like put the noise back up. And then it would take a couple hours and put the noise back up. And I found out that there was, they all kind of have like a, manual control you know what i'm talking about right the ones where you walk in front of it and the lights yeah. turn on mm-hmm. well if you walk in front of it the light turns on and you like immediately click the off button that kind of puts it into an off state and it lasts for a couple of hours mm. and then you got to come back and do it again so i had to do it a couple of times when i was trying to set up the live stream and i had all the internet trouble and then doing the after chat and all that stuff it was uh it was a fun just another hurdle to random <laughs> live streams that i do there's always something that happens with them it feels like all right so leah what's our uh what's our preparedness corner this week oh i i have something that i was going to recommend two oh, things great. actually okay uh one we have been shopping for a new bed mm. and man there are a lot of mattress companies on the market yeah particularly with COVID, they said that people really started buying more like checking back into like personal care, yes. you know, is just a general thing. So mattresses were huge. Well, you, you're you convinced that you're getting a poor quality of sleep. I mean, just in general. Right. <laughs> but we, we've had the same bed for like 10 years. I think it's time. I mean, some people have beds for much longer. I'm not that. saying people <laughs> don't. I'm not trying to go for a record. So I ended up turning to the multitude of YouTube channels that do mattress reviews. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't even know. This is a niche. That <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's oddly saturated. People are reviewing mattresses. There's a lot mattresses. of mattress reviewers out there, which what is it, kind why? of crazy to me because, you know, some things like consumer electronics, a lot of reviewers, right? Very popular, very popular segment right. of YouTube because, like, you can buy a lot of consumer electronics, and people are always buying consumer electronics. Yes. How often are people buying beds? I don't. I don't know. And you're definitely not like 
buying one and then like swapping them out. Well, uh, based off some of the reviews that I've read on Amazon, mm-hmm. it turns out that some people get dissatisfied with their beds like three years in. Mm-hmm. It may have to do with just how memory foam beds are because they're so popular. Okay. The kinds that just kind of they ship real small and mm-hmm. then you, you know, they expand. Mm-hmm. And I think that those may have a shorter sh- lifetime mm-hmm. than the traditional coil beds or right. whatever we were using before. Because a lot of people said, uh, I had this for two or three years. Mm-hmm. It it stopped being comfortable. Right. Right. And I can see it, though. I mean, you know, being memory foam, once they start getting full with all your dirty, sinful secrets... Oh. In the bedroom that you just... I mean, just use a mattress cover. You have What's to get rid of it. Okay. All I mean, because, right. you know, it's a memory foam. So when they, oh, they listen I and see. they hear oh, everything, they remember. It, you know, they remember right. it. It's just it's yeah. not good. <laughs> it turns into a big problem. We ended up uh, picking the sattva bed. Okay. Because there were so many lists that it ended up on. So I hope YouTube didn't steer me wrong. Yeah. It's, it's uh, We got the sattva uh, hybrid, mm-hmm. so it's memory foam on top and then uh, coils on the, the bottom. And I'm not sure, but it might have a lifetime warranty. I don't know. Either Sattva or Helix has a lifetime warranty. Okay. And I ended up going with Sattva because Helix has a dizzying amount of options. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this is too many options for me to get wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other thing I'm going to suggest mm. for everybody uh, is Camel, Camel, Camel. Camel, Camel. Oh, yes. Okay. Remember Camel, Camel, yes. Camel. Yes. Okay. So a lot back. of people wondered about Prime Day pricing mm-hmm. and if it's actually cheaper. Is it cheaper? Because I know for sure... You know, 50% of sale, over 50% of sales on Amazon are actually third party sellers that are right. using Amazon for fulfillment or just as a marketplace. All those hit Instagram hustlers telling people to get into the Amazon game. Right, right. All those folks. And a lot of them bump their prices mm-hmm. before Prime Day That's so right. that on Prime Day they can mark them down and show right. 40% off or something mm-hmm. to make the Prime Day deal look really good. Right. Well, you can go to camelcamelcamel.com and Post search a or, product. Or search, yeah. Right. And it will tell you. The pricing trends. Yes. For how long? How far does it go back? It goes back far, right? Uh, I want to say I looked up the G90 because somebody in the Facebook group had a question about the G90 pricing. Because mm-hmm. it was $400, I believe. Was the sale price on Amazon? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, Which is well, actually a it, good nor- deal. it normally goes for four ninety. Mm-hmm. It actually had, you, you know, when everybody was buying radios at the beginning of last year, right? I think, or was it the be- beginning whenever. of this year too? Was crazy, yeah. but yeah. So there, it was the price was higher right. then, and then you see the 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 drop off in the price. But anyways, anytime you buy something on Amazon, you can go see whether or not you're buying it at the peak of whatever the sellers are pricing it at or um, the low. Because I think what a lot of people don't understand about Amazon is that people use repricers. 
yes. they're not manually changing their pricing. So mm-hmm. the pricing doesn't stay stagnant, right? Yes. They're all sellers competing against each other. So if somebody comes in suddenly at a lower price, a lot of the the sellers have repricers that will just drop their price down too. And they're, they're automatic repricers. Right. Exactly. They're, they're paying for software that will go into their Amazon backend for their stores that they're running, and it will reprice all of their gear based off of their competition. Yes. And it will, sometimes they're, they're kind of slick about it, and they'll do it just like a penny or more, right. or a penny less, mm-hmm. like just so that they're staying and they get within the buy now button. Right. Because they're always right. aiming to be the buy now product. Right. Because a lot of times with the Amazon guys, it's not about getting a big whale of a sale. It's about moving product. Yes. Because the higher you price your particular product, that puts it further down the line of the products that will be sold. Yeah, there's something called the buy button. When mm-hmm. you hit that buy button, it's Amazon's algorithm has chosen which seller they want to have the buy button. S- sometimes it's based just on price. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, good point. But a lot of times it's based on maybe the low price seller actually has very poor performance. Mm-hmm. So they lose their buy button even yep. if they're the cheapest, right? right? And that, that usually boils down to like seller issues. Right, which that is when you don't fulfill by Amazon sometimes. If you just fulfill by Amazon, then Amazon sorts it out, unless they did a bad job with the product itself. Right, if it's poorly packaged, gotcha. if Good. the package yeah. isn't as, um, as described. Man, we could make multiple episodes on our little trapes through the world of reselling on amazon we're not going to make any podcast for no no (laughs) we're going to move off of this topic i think here but (laughs) anyways camel 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 dot com is where you're going to go to check whether or not you're buying this product at a good price very good yeah all right well then now back to you again oh my goodness for preparedness okay so my preparedness corner actually uh, goes a little bit off of what we did last week, mm-hmm. which is early signs for emergency preparedness. And mm-hmm. I went through a uh, list that you thought was a little bit ridiculous from Science 101. I think a lot of people agreed with you that these indicators are very stupid. Yeah. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but some of them were Some pretty, of them were a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I wanted to do... Some of it was good. I, I'm not sure. faulting... Uh, I wanted to look through what the major disasters that happen in the U.S. are that create the largest amount of fatalities or damage. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of get an idea if you live in one of these areas Mm -hmm. that gets these issues. Are we covering just natural disasters or also man-made disasters? All disasters. All disasters. Okay. Can I throw out a guess? Sure. You flood? want to guess for number one? Flood. The biggest, you think it was a flood? Well, okay. I mean, the it, instance. Oh, the biggest instance. So one, not, one of not the largest cumulative. I know of was the explosion in Galveston, Texas. That is number one. Okay. Then that's, okay. So it was either going to be that or floods, I'm so guessing. It's a tropical cyclone. The oh, okay. 1900 okay, sure. Galveston hurricane. And it was 6,000 to 12,000 fatalities with approximate $28 million in damages. Wait, this is a hurricane? A tropical cyclone. Okay. There was also an explosion in Galveston. Oh. That a ship blew up. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Okay. Then maybe the death toll okay. wasn't high enough, apparently, to make your list. But it was considered one of the largest uh, na- one of the largest man-made disasters in the United States for a while. The tropical cyclone mm-hmm. in this list that ranks 
uh, ha- happens repeatedly. It's like it's the same cyclone. It's like no, hey, back again. No, it's just that it is the most common cause for massive tropical cyclones in general. Yes. Sure. Okay. Because the next one is a 1936 heat wave. Okay. And it killed 5,000 people. Wow. Then there's another tropical cyclone. 1935, probably not a lot of air conditioners back then. Yes. And it actually made me think how terrible what's happening in Texas is. Mm Mm-hmm. There's I mean, pe- those people are getting hit on both sides of the season. I know. Winter and then like, hey, I what's up? Summer's I know here. we talked about it before. And, and I think l- last week I said, if I had to choose between hot or cold, I would choose hot. Oh, it's always cold. Because you can put on more You can clothes. make yourself warmer. Sure. Y- you can make yourself warmer without something requiring power. Well, I would argue you can also make yourself cooler. But How? that's apparently not true in all areas. Well, no, but, but hear me out. Hear me out. You can always put on more clothes. Air conditioning. Could I be wearing I'm, any more clothes? Well, I'm you talking could about put on more clothes. Yeah. But air conditioning is not a clothes. It, it requires energy. Sure. It requires the, ex- okay. the use of, of a resource. I'm going to go back on what I said. Mm. And I am also choosing cold. Team cold. Because this heat wave killed a lot of people. Yeah. And in reality, if anybody lives in an area where the power grid could fail mm-hmm. in the middle of a major heat wave. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. That's deadly. Sure. It happens. It, it often happens in uh, France, I believe, of all places. Hmm. It usually takes out a lot of the elderly that are living alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then the next, uh, I mentioned the next one is a hurricane, right? And I don't know a lot about hurricane preparedness. Obviously, I'm. I don't live in a hurricane. Board area. up your windows, unplug everything, and GTFO. I'm guessing. Aren't there basements for hurricanes? That's a tornado. But it wouldn't you work. You board for up a the hurricane? windows so that the it, same problem is like glass is bad, right? Right. So you board up your windows and stuff. But I actually want to hear so, uh, listeners in hurricane areas. Sure. Absolutely. They've actually I lived mean, through them. I haven't. <laughs> our Galveston, Texas friends, Jason, Ham Radio 2.0. Florida, is out there. Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Loyal. You tell me what you do to prepare for a hurricane. It's, and bonus points if it's something that most people don't even think about doing. Matt goes, he leaves the state and goes play, plays, plays ham radio. Yeah, that's like really helpful <laughs> for the people who can't leave. Uh, for, for heat waves, honestly, it's, it's a generator, right? It's, or it's, a Ford F-150 Lightning. Okay. All right. Well... A generator is much cheaper than that. <laughs> that is true. You got me on that. One. A generator and a power bank, really. And so a supply that, of gasoline or propane if you have a propane generator. Right. So that you can do whatever it takes to run air conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Because what else are you going to do? Well, you, you can't make an ice pack. You can't, like, do lots of things if you don't have power. Exactly. Right. Yeah. The 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 old the alternative of that, if like if you had well water, well water is uh, appreciably colder than like ambient service water. Mm-hmm. Generally, unless it's so hot that it's gone that deep, you know, I, that's right. possible too. Yeah. But yeah. 
Uh, the next one is the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. That was a bad one. And that had a lot to do with that. That killed over 3,000 people. Uh, the with, earthquake that was in Alaska was larger, but because the population wasn't as dense, it, it yes. was not. It didn't make probably your list because it's, I'm assuming it's based off of fatalities. Yes. Yeah. Fatalities and property destruction. Yeah. Yes. And this was uh, $235 million in 1906. And that's 1906 dollars. Yes. That's like a billion dollars <laughs> it's now. It's the deadliest earthquake in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a part of it, houses are now built significantly differently. Houses, buildings, the, the whole nine yards. It, there are basically building standards that are implemented. Well, oddly enough, that was why the Whittier Narrows earthquake was so damaging to the uptown Whittier space because those buildings, buildings were all like turn of the century buildings. Mm-hmm. Whittier is an extremely old town. Right. And it decimated the uptown area. That was an old There was West like one area. fatality. Yeah. It was like pre World War it was pre West. Quakers settled right. Whittier, which is like way earlier than that. Yeah. Uh the next one is terrorism, September eleventh. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. How do you prepare for that, Leah? anti-air what anti-air weaponry just on you at all times you know, stinger missiles you mm-hmm. just carry around a stinger mm-hmm. missile mm-hmm. that runs that causes other problems um mainly the atf you know that they're, they're, they're but it's hard to, to go to places yeah with that tough kind to get through defense. tsa with but then that. you just explain yourself yeah i'm trying to keep everybody safe i'm a prepper yes <laughs> yeah I'm a card-carrying prepper. I think that's one of the scariest things oh, about terrorism. Oh, absolutely. Though. Well, I mean, that's that's it, right? And I'm not trying to play light of it at all by saying what I'm no, saying. it's terrible. Um, yeah. But it is terrible, yeah. Uh, the next two are hurricanes, once again. One is Hurricane Maria in 2017. Mm. That killed almost 3,000 people. That is a Puerto high Rico. amount for 2017. It is, right? Yeah. And then there was a hurricane in 1928. I mean, this is, what do you do when you live in a hurricane area? Do you just move? Is that, do not a lot of people live in hurricane areas? Just no, to, there's a uh, ton of people that live in hurricane areas. That's, any it's, like. It's pretty terrifying. Gulf Coast. Yeah. Uh, tropical areas. They get hurricanes, man. And I feel like there's at least one hurricane a year. Uh, right? Like a more. major hurricane. Yeah, or more. That yeah. makes national news. Sure. And it's like Hurricane Watch. I mean, that's why the Hurricane Watch Net exists. Yes. Why don't you talk a little bit more about that for it, it's uh, a 24 hour. It's a 24-hour net that basically is an active frequency. 20 meters is the primary band they use, although they use 40 meters as well at, at night mm-hmm. if they need to. They monitor both. And it's literally uh, weather traffic health and status, you know, say, hey, can someone go check on this person? Or has anybody heard from this person? This is their phone number, like all kinds of stuff happens on the hurricane watch net. Sometimes it's more active than other time. The last hurricane round that we had was not that devastating. But it was definitely active. And I can listen to it from California often throughout the day. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna round this uh, out with uh, just two more. Okay, because Actually, I'm, I'm going to do three more. Okay. And I'm going to skip over the hurricanes now because there are so many on we this get list. get it, hurricanes. Yes. Uh, military strike. The attack on Pearl Harbor. 
Oh, interesting. Okay. That was about 2,500. It was a lot of U.S. victims, obviously. Um, And that's in 1941. Johnstown flood in Pennsylvania. It was a dam bursting. Yeah. There was another dam burst in California, I believe, too, that was pretty bad. And, you know, it makes me wonder how many, you know, as self-reliant as we're talking uh, about what we can do for ourselves, I wonder how many people are actually getting involved on their municipal, county, and state level to make sure tax dollars are going towards the infrastructure that if it fails would be catastrophic. Yeah, that's a really good point because, I mean, how many times do you stop and look and go like, oh, man, there's a dam 40 miles away from here. Right. And we're in the flood plain. Right. You know, I don't know that people think about that. I mean, you you can control to some dis- degree how much electricity access you have through solar panels and generators sure. and power banks. Right. But if you're if, under six feet of water. Right. Could be a little difficult. I mean, it's maybe it's worth it to take a look at what the risks you have around your area are mm-hmm. and and you know, reach out to your local leadership and find out right. if these that's, things are being maintained. Th- that's actually a really good point because I actually don't know how many dams there are, but there are enough that it's something you should probably look up. I refrain from making a joke right now because <laughs> we have received communication in the past about not taking the Lord's name in vain. <laughs> but now that I've said that, I'm sure you know the joke. I of was course, I already, you didn't even have to say anything like that, of course. And that's one of, uh, that is one of my favorite scenes from a movie, which is Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> and they're touring the Hoover Dam. All right, we've tiptoed around it without saying it. So. Uh, we don't need to say it now. We won't, we'll, we'll leave the, the, the urgency of people wanting us to say it. Yes. We just won't say it. <laughs> Hold back. <laughs> so you were saying we're moving on. Okay. No, I meant about the dam. Oh yeah, look yeah. up your look up your floodplain. Like if you're on a floodplain, right? You should look that up regardless of your proximity to a dam, right? Right. There are some people that don't know that they're in a floodplain. Like believe it or not, we are not far from a flood a floodplain. Right. We are not in said floodplain, but there is areas in suburb spaces where you're like, oh hey. Well, I mean, the Santa Fe Dam's not actually that far from us. Mm, sure, but yeah. I, I think that's a different direction. But yeah, okay. Fair enough. And the last thing I'm going to bring up is an accident, a shipwreck in Marion, Arkansas. It was a steamboat that sank due to a boiler explosion, and that was 1,700 fatalities. It's the deadliest Dang. maritime disaster in U.S. history. And to that I say... That might be the one I'm thinking of, but I know okay. there was a big explosion in Galveston too. To that I say... I'm going to avoid steamboats. <laughs> okay, well. Sorry, Mark Twain. <laughs> I was just going to say, have fun when you go to Disneyland. You can't get on the Mark Twain. You know what? I trust the engineer on that boat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Me too. Yeah. That's, my sister. Yes. <laughs> who, oddly enough, had a cameo in my last video. Did she really? Yeah. So the the blonde woman walking in the background for about two seconds. Yes. And that's all I'll mention. She, is she was a, way in the back of the yeah, shot. Yeah, well, she's a yeah. very beautiful engineer. A for steam, steam engineer. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, well, that's my preparedness corner. All right, well, let's uh, keep it all going 
And let's hit up the email correspondence tower. My goodness. This is a lot me. It is. Yeah. (laughs) This worked out perfectly. This I've just turned this all around to like just you. (laughs) You're just cueing me. I just get to (laughs) Yeah, I'm holding up a card. You can't see it. You're over there kicking back with a drink. Yeah. Just waiting for post production. That's it. Yeah. I'm just here. I'm just here to quip. Talk so wise. this is a very funny email because it's going to poke fun at something that you have already done this podcast. Oh, in oh. this podcast. Oh. Today's podcast. Oh, no. Okay. This is total, to- total. Mm. <laughs> this is strong. This- you made them. <laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, man, you make a strong drink. I don't make them this strong. Uh, it's not a light pour. No. No. No, it's not. <laughs> This is titled New Podcast Game, and this is from Joe. Hello, Leia and Josh. I was listening to today's podcast on June 18th, and for some reason, the Princess Bride popped into my head. Then, I thought of a game. Uh Uh-oh. I don't say inconceivable. It's a drinking game, kind of like what you do when you miss a question on the general practice test segment. Oh, no, Leia. Your drink, your practice test today is going to be fun. But in this game, Josh will be the one drinking. Mm. Us listeners can play along if we aren't driving or at work. (laughs) Basically, Josh needs to take a shot or a large gulp of his beer every time he says appreciable. (laughs) I do like that word. (laughs) I do really like that word, too. You can't take that away you from might, me. I'm not going to drink from using an amazing word. Nobody's taking it away from you. They're asking for you to enjoy it more with a drink. <laughs> I love that word. I've attached a pic that might put appreciable into better context, context with the Princess Bride. Love the podcast and all of what you guys do. 73, your RF neighbor, Joe, KN6NAF. And hey, it is Joe, a thanks. picture... Of Josh. That is. Where's that picture from? It's the guy from the. the, oh, the guy my who head says inconceivable like, in Princess Bride. Where was I ever wearing? It's just such but a tight your shot on me. Face. Yeah. And it says appreciable. Appreciable. <laughs> I like it. Thank you, Joe. Joe, that's fantastic. Yes. If I think, if I believe that it is literally the Joe that's the neighbor, he's like in Fullerton. He's right down the street. Yes, I mean, based off of the beginning of his call sign, he's like right there with us. I won't. KN6. I won't say what he goes by on uh, on the Discord because it's a Spanish slur. Oh, so. I didn't realize that. Yes, but it's very funny. I say it on the Discord, but I won't say it here on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for the email, Joe. Very hilarious. The next email is titled, Have I Got the Disaster Avoidance Tool for You? A car. GTFO. And and this is from John. John is uh, our Skyline aficionado. (laughs) Mm, How's that license coming, Joe? (laughs) John. John. (laughs) Hey there, Josh and Leia. I sincerely enjoyed listening to the prep corner portion of last week's podcast. Josh, you reacted in real time to my frustrations with the findings (laughs) of this article that Leia was reading. I, too, was quite confused 
at what the direction of the animals running have anything to do with whether or not it was a fire or an earthquake. No, a fire I get. They're running away from the fire. Yes. But an earthquake is everywhere around you. (laughs) Yes. I began imagining what would happen if I was standing in one place and another person was standing a football field's length away in any direction. What would it mean if we dropped a bunch of different animals in the center and they all began (laughs) running toward the other person and away from me? Does that mean I'm experiencing an earthquake and the other person's experiencing a fire? Now, that's not anything you'll ever see on National Geographic. That's a new TikTok meta, though, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> you just dump a bag of pets on the ground. <laughs> Do they run to the mommy or the daddy? That is, that is a TikTok I, trend right now. I know. Now. That's, that's what I said. Keeping that in mind, I feel like whoever wrote this article is a huge supporter of and an owner of the infamous Weather Rock. Ever heard of it? Yes. I've, I've owned, well... We would buy the weather rock and give it to people as like a gag gift. And I made a weather rock when I was in Scouts. What? Mm-hmm. I have never heard of it, but apparently you have. Yeah, if it's, if it's swinging, it's a light breeze. If it's twirling, it's an earthquake. Okay. <laughs> if it's gone, it's a tornado. <laughs> I mean, that's the punchline. If it's, uh, it, there's like five or six items. Did he list them? Okay, well, he continues. Yeah, yeah, well, sorry. let me tell you, it's the latest in modern technology with all the science of an advanced civilization going into a device that can tell you exactly what's going on in order to help you be prepared for any event. Mm-hmm. Here's how it works. Yes. A rock, preferably one of moderate size, is suspended by a rope yep. from a tripod. That's what I built in Boy Scouts. Or Cub Scouts. (laughs) It is this rock, this amazing piece of technology, that will inform you of the conditions in your area. If the rock is wet, it's raining. Yep. If the rock is warm to the touch, it's sunny. If the rock is swaying, it generally implies wind, or it could be a Bigfoot fart. (laughs) Okay. If you cannot find your weather rock contraption, it could mean tornado, hurricane, alien abduction, or a multitude of other things that would have caused your weather rock to disappear. I like the, the there's more examples <laughs> of, of what the weather rock, the, the sensory capability of the weather rock. If this doesn't convince you that the weather rock is the device you need to invest in, I don't know what will. <laughs> Do you know those like roadside souvenir shops that you sometimes find when you go to like touristy areas and they always have something that's kind of like a, clo- a colloquial thing? Yeah, okay. Alaska has that. Alaska, their thing that they kitsch out is moose droppings. Oh? It's chocolate, right? No. What? It's actual moose droppings. So moose... Is when it they, like owl pellets? They're very small. They're like maybe an inch in length. They're such big animals, though. But they, they drop a mountain of them. Oh. Like a ton of moose droppings. Somebody's going out and Somebody's going out. moose droppings. <coughs> Somebody's going out and they're finding the so moose droppings. Disturbed. They take them back and then they shellac them. They like hard coat them with like a plastic coat. What? They Who make, wants this? They make earrings out of them and cufflinks out <gasps> no, of them and necklaces no, out of them. No, yes. no, no, yes. no. They're gag gifts that like <laughs> no. sides, you know, little off road souvenir shop stands, whatever, will sell these different things. They have moose droppings on everything. 
the moose, the, the one. You people are wearing moose poop. Yes. On well, their I mean, person. I mean, I don't know that. Again, it's a gag gift. You are giving it to somebody as kind of a joke. If that person then takes it and's like, this is my jam. And I don't know <laughs> I love how. wearing poop. I, I don't know. I normally how, just wear it on my shoes when I step in some, but this is great. This is it could be as close to my ears as possible. As possible. Well, so that brings me to my favorite uh, kitschy thing that uh, I saw when I was in Alaska. I've been to Alaska multiple times, but there's a mosquito flying around you. Kill it. Um, someone took one of these shellac. Actually, there's a bunch of them. This is like their thing they sell. One of the things. They take the moose dropping, fully shellac moose dropping. It's the perfect diameter for a shotgun hull. What? So they put the moose dropping on the end of the shotgun hull. And then they wrap it with, like, a piece of plastic that has, like, branding on it. And they sell it as moose lipstick or moose chapstick. What? And it tells you all the things that it, it does, right? Like, it prevents chap lips. It prevents it. And the punchline of the whole joke is, and it's amazing at stopping you from licking your lips. Oh, if that's a thing no. that you, you have a problem with. Again, oh. these are shellacked droppings. It's not going Still. to like. So, Still. yeah, that was a. We bought a bunch of them. We gave them as gag gifts. We thought there was. My dad and I thought that was hilarious. That's terrible. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's awesome. <laughs> Fisherman's Candle is another gag gift that I will not talk about uh, on the. So, anybody, Fisherman's Candle, you know what I'm talking about. That's a gag gift. That's uh, also <laughs> John continues. I'll tell you after the podcast about the Fisherman's Candle. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. John continues, in other news, you may find it interesting that York peppermint patties, along with I Andy's mints, I won't find it are a staple in most, if not all, Cincinnati-located Skyline Chili restaurants. Okay, I'm, I'm back on board. That's, <laughs> you can I buy no with- one of either for approximately 10 to 15 cents, depending on the store. It's a big deal here in Cincy. Josh, just for you, I have combined two of your favorite topics into one sentence. You're welcome. Yeah, great. <laughs> I have nothing against the York Peppermint Patty. I like Andy's mints. They're great for like after dinner. I, I've never been like midday, time for a mint, like an after dinner mint. Just so you know. It has a time and place is what I'm saying. As a part of our car snacks for the drive to Big Bear, I bought a family-sized bag of York Peppermint Patty yes, Minis. Yeah, and you positioned the bag so that the logo was always facing me yes. while I was driving. <laughs> but that bag's almost empty. Do you know why? Because everybody was eating it all weekend and today during a play date. It's chocolate. The ki- of course the, the kids, kids are going to eat it. love it. It's not... <sighs> okay. Please continue. Yes. <laughs> Please continue. John signs off. 71, that Skyline guy, John P. Thank you for writing in, John. Uh, thank you, John. Feeling really good about that York peppermint patty at Skyline Chili. <laughs> More of a reason for Lay to go to Ohio. I might go to, I, I you, might you go om- to we, we almost cinched it with the Skyline Chili, but now that she knows she can get a York peppermint patty. <laughs> we'll go the all end the way meal. to Ohio. To get your peppermint patty. Jeez. I feel like nobody really backed me up on the almond joy. I th- I, I mean, I think a couple people did. but I, I find that the, interesting because arguably you like the almond joys more than the York peppermint patty. You know, the York peppermint patty is more functional. 
than an almond joy. You as a person <laughs> would likely eat more York peppermint patties. Yes. But when it's time for you to sit down and have, have a, a candy, treat. Yes. An, an almond joy is like yes. top tier for you. Uh-huh. Yeah. That or a very fresh Reese's peanut butter cup. Uh, yes. I, I do know this about you as well. If it's if it's anything but perfectly fresh, it's just awful. Now, you are also a big um, percentages person when it comes to Reese's, meaning the Reese's cup, not the small one. No, it has to be the cup. The regular cup yeah. is exactly the right amount of chocolate and peanut butter for you. Right. The miniature is wrong. What about the Easter egg? I think the... Easter egg is okay for an annual treat. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to go way hard into the too much peanut butter. The percentage of peanut butter is too high. The, the nice thing about the seasonal treats that they do is that those are very fresh. <laughs> gotcha. They weren't just, just hanging on to last year's right, Easter eggs. So th- those are my three candies, really. Mm, got it. Reese's, yes. Almond Joy, and York. Okay. The next email is titled Science 101. <laughs> this is from Doug. I have only made it halfway through the latest podcast and, and have to I send stopped. this. First, listening to the podcast has really opened my eyes to the differences in California and Southern Missouri. Josh, yeah, it seems like an alert every time there's a 3.0 earthquake, and we never even know it. I'm sitting here with my mind blown about him casually talking about an earthquake I sleep as I sit on my porch and watch a tornado go past. Yeah. Joking. Yeah, I, I'm serious. Like, you are desensitized to the power of the tornado. I am desensitized to the power of the earthquake. True. I literally sleep through 3.0s. That's I've true. I've done it many times. You asked how we check for severe weather one way weather is if rock. you walk out the door and the garden gnomes are taking flight there's a pretty good chance there's a tornado that's the ron white joke again <laughs> another way it to doesn't check doesn't matter that the wind is blowing it's what the wind is blowing <laughs> another way to check is our local news channel has a weather app and it will send you lightning alerts about two minutes after the lightning strikes. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. But the best way I have found is to check out the jet stream movements for the day and just jump on 40 meters and find someone who is located where your weather is coming from. Yeah, I I was going to say ham radios. I mean, Stormwatch is huge. In, right um, in in areas where they have tornadoes mm-hmm. because they can literally go look at it and say i am here the weather is here i want to listen to the hurricane net that sounds that sounds really interesting yeah well i mean if when that comes around sure so i mean sorry for everybody in the hurry in the path but uh we'll be listening with interest i just want to make sure everybody's okay of course yeah merch idea I'm not good at artwork, so you're going to have to try to visualize with me. A road goes all the way across mm-hmm. the back of the shirt. Okay. At the start of the road is a table with cat cups on it. Okay. A lady of the night, or lot lizard, as the <laughs> truck drivers so affectionately call them, on a CB calling Breaker Breaker 19. 
Somebody's following the Selena truck stop Facebook group, it sounds like. <laughs> well, we talked about the the lot lizards before. Okay. Yeah. On the other end is a guy with a fang calling CQ repeater. In the middle of the road is a gate with an older guy hammering out, keep out, may need to be in Morse code, mm-hmm. on a straight key. Okay. Josh hoeing a road around the gate saying, it's a malifor. <laughs> At the end of the road is a house with a nice array of antennas, a top-notch ham shack, a guy sitting in the shack working digital modes, wearing his no-code extra shirt. There you go. I'm still waiting to see this in the merch store. With a nice big plate of Skyline Chili on the table. One corner of the house, there is a tower. Think medieval style, but the blocks are the envelope icons. And Leia at the top saying, if you're not last, you're first. Okay, okay. <laughs> I like the, the no-code extra shirt. We should make one of those. Okay. Well, you know. I have a, I don't know how to design it yet, but that's a good idea. Okay. There are many ideas all within that. Those all, those could be separate shirts in their own. You know, right. as I was reading it, I almost envisioned it as one of those souvenir maps. Yeah, yeah, ever, yeah. Right? Like with, the canvas maps that would came in like video games and stuff like that? No. Like when you go visit a touristy city, mm-hmm. they always have a map with like different attractions that but they're are, like super cartoonish and like yeah exploded and not large. to scale right, at right, all, right, right, right? Right. <laughs> it's just like the ham radio city i like it that's good <laughs> hey doug if we make it you're getting one uh and doug signs off loyal 1x listener k9 mtq that makes it easy if he just gives the size of his shirt right at the end what 1x is that no like one oh. as in speed <laughs> Speed. I was like, okay, well, he's very confident. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. The next email is titled, I need an HRCC koozie. Uh, yes. <laughs> this is from Greg. Leia, another great podcast. Josh, I have the Power Pole Crimper. This is talking about how you recommended. <laughs> that was the, the Hammer Yo Minute last yes. week. Yes. But I really preferred soldering the connectors in onto the wires. Mm-hmm. I've just had more than one time where I crimped improperly. Now, I am told, mm-hmm. I am told mm-hmm. that the scientifically preferred way it's been tested is okay. to crimp. Why? Not solder. Why? The connection is better. Huh. More reliable. When it's crimped correctly, I appreciate sometimes you do get an odd crimp. Yeah. I have found, this is just with my crimper, that I put the connector in the crimper first in the appropriate slot, Mm -hmm. and then I'll ratchet it down one click onto the connector. Then I will insert the wire, and I'll make sure all the little, you know, braids are straight, and then do the full crimp So that's your crimping strategy. Uh, That's my crimping strategy. I've given up the the secret. I take the iron, and I just put it on my hair, Mm -hmm. and I try to nest the first, the last crimp into the first right. next crimp. Right. Right. And right. then just go all the way down. That gives you a good mechanical connection. Yeah. hmm <laughs> To my hair. To your hair. <laughs> yes. That's right. Let's see if it resonates the next time you do Great. that. <laughs> Greg continues, Leia, seed bombs. I think it's cool that you're propagating the poppies in your area. Thank you. I look forward Leia's to... Leia's just trying to run a heroin den. I don't think they're opium poppies. <laughs> of course they're not. They're just, California poppies. I'm just trying to top my bagels. Okay. 
When Leia was talking about the ways to see what's happening with the weather, she mentioned that red rings around the moon or sun could point to rain. There's a longtime saying, red skies at night, sailors delight. Red skies in morning, sailors take warning. Um, okay. Interesting. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I know it's a, I've heard that before, but the, the odd part was the, the ring around the moon and the sun. Mm. That was the odd part with the, right. with the, the sure. blog last week. Mm-hmm. That was what I took umbrance with. C subject. Uh, and Greg is reiterating, he needs an HRCC koozie. So yes. I guess those are going to be made. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can, right? Yeah, sure. All right. I can. Well, I, I think that's a. I think that's a no-brainer. All right. Greg continues, you mentioned that Californians are moving to other areas. The problem with this... Please don't. ...is that they will often take their politics with yes, them. Yes. No, I, I'm with you. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not telling the Californians to go forth and, and propagate. I'm not saying that. It is, it is actually really surprising to me the number of people who are very liberal that opt to go to very conservative locations that are diametrically opposed with their like, like their why beliefs. would you want that why do you know. why do you want to live somewhere where you feel like you're constantly having to fight the politics of the government that has I, the most impact on your life I, I think some people just like to be outraged sometimes i mean that like they they they, they don't mind going to a place because they're already used to fighting the fight you know in california uh, in their point of view so if they go to an area that's like behind behind enemy lines to them, that's just like, well, I just got to get out there and do the, do the good do the good work. You know what I mean? We live in a very moderate city. Like for like for, if you statistically took the numbers, moderate. But we have some large swings in both directions. Well, that's what makes the city moderate. Okay. No, like what even would our, make it moderate is if it was populated by a bunch of moderates. But. I'm saying statistically, it's average. You know, it averages I mean, out to moderate. Yeah, even our city council f- goes back and forth between having um, uh, majority three three Democrats right. to two Republicans to having uh, three Republicans to two Democrats. Right. Yeah, I, I always I always kind of chuckle at the the, the city level yeah. where they get really wrapped up in being conservative or or Democrat at the at the city level. I don't care what your alignment is. I really just want to hear what you're going to do. I agree. I really don't care. You know what? I would argue I care about that all across the board. I do too, but um, I appreciate that there's more of a large network of people playing a game as you get higher up. You get to like governors. The game starts at the city level. It starts at the city level, but there's only so many people in seats of power at the city level. Right. Right. But when you get to like the governorship and, and a state senator right. or congressperson and then all the way up into, you know, the, the president and all that other stuff, you've got a lot more people mm-hmm. that are all collectively working towards one direction or the other. And right. at the city level, it's like, yeah, you, you may have like five or six people that are like pushing one direction. But it's usually really easy to kind of ferret them out. Sure. And, and, and react appropriately, I feel, if you're, if you're semi-conscious about what's going on. Sure. Uh, Greg continues, I hate raw tomatoes too. And this is in reference to the, you saying that you don't like 
raw tomatoes, you wish you could go out because uh, Nate had written in about mm-hmm. his homestead, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. He posted a ton of pictures in the Discord Great job. about his homestead. Yes. He's on, I think he said half an acre. That, which is very impressive. Yeah. The work he, he's done. A lot of things getting done on I want to be very clear. I like tomatoes on burgers. I like a pizza that just has like tomato slices scattered about and all that sure. stuff. I don't have a problem with raw tomatoes. They're cut, though. This is how you are about mushrooms, I don't too. like cherry tomatoes because they just throw them in there. And what are you supposed to do? Just chew on it? It, is like, it, explodes. That's disgusting. That's a part of the joy of the cherry I, tomato. I can't. I can't get into that. I can't. It's like you bite into it, and it's a gush of summer. That is like, maybe maybe because I grew up with actual fruit snack gushers, and I'm used to <laughs> an explosion of sweetness and horrible for you saccharine sugar concoction. What if that is a sad? What gusher. about a caprese skewer where there's a mozzarella ball and a cherry tomato? No. and a leaf of basil with some balsamic drizzle, and you just pop it in your mouth. I, I don't I don't like the I don't like the exploding action of the tomatoes. <laughs> I just don't. I love a caprese what salad. What if I sliced the cherry tomato in half and it yes. didn't explode? Yes. So it just takes Fine. one cut to yes. get you on board? That's it. Wow. That's it. Okay. Same well, with Roma tomatoes, but those are even larger. Those are like hand grenades. Wow. Roma you tomatoes are just... real tomato opinion. <laughs> I do. I, I'm, I, I like the taste of tomatoes, but I don't like that particular aspect of them. Okay. Well, Greg continues... I really wish that I could go out to the garden and chomp down on some cherry tomatoes, but that sucks. So I won't be doing that again. (laughs) Oh, so I won't be doing that. I'm sure I'll be emailing once I'm able to listen to the rest of the podcast, 73 Greg and 3 GDS. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. For the email and for commiserating with Josh so that I now know all it takes is a slice. That's it. Yes. (laughs) The next email is titled T-shirt idea and more. And this is from Jeff. Leia, listening to the podcast this week has given me an idea for a T-shirt, a combination of radio and your son's cycle training. I can see a radio, maybe an ICOM 705 or 7300 with a set of bike training wheels and a slogan along the lines of HRCC helping hams lose their training wheels. That's actually pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Jeff, you know, that's, if we if we make it, you're getting one. That's pretty good because it would just be like a 7300 would just do training wheels on the side <laughs> of it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Jeff continues, agree with Josh. The handles aren't, the add-on handles aren't great. And this is referencing yeah, it, the it, yeah. handle that goes on the back of a training mm-hmm. wheel because Ben is trying to learn how to ride his bike without training wheels you know i almost regret doing the training wheel thing at all and not just sticking them on because we have one they just didn't like it i understand but the strider bikes is the way to go it is because they learn how to balance balance they have to learn to balance if the kid is willing our kids were not willing well it's because the the seat got all deteriorated no but even when it wasn't deteriorated they didn't like it it's so this is the thing about these Strider bikes that are, uh, there's no pedals. There's, just, there's a specific age group, too, for Strider bikes. They're usually for much younger kids. Right. And we we bought one that was metal because I got yeah, some metal bike. The gray one? 
Yeah, it's metal. No, it's not. It's composite. Is it plastic? Okay, well, what, whatever. Are, are you sure? 100%. I feel like it's kind of heavy, though. It's 100%. The gray is composite material. Okay. Well, it still was too heavy for for Ben to be comfortable on it. Okay. When he was, like, much younger. Okay. So, there there are also wood versions that I... Th- Oddly, the metal one would be the lightest, believe it or not. I, b- I believe so. Yeah. So, if, if you're going to go that route so that you don't have to figure out how to take these training wheels off, uh, Strider Bike. And there's... Yeah. And there's... Strider Bike is like a... It's a type. blanket term. It's it's a it's a bike without pedals. Yeah, because Strider is a name brand. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. In that in that arena. But there's a ton of different bikes and I would recommend just finding a light one that your young child would actually like to ride. Right. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Jeff continues the add-on handles and that's the handle that's supposed to hold the, the back, back of yeah. the bike off the seat. Uh, they aren't great as they don't maintain the balance of the bike. Right. Much easier just holding the saddle. Right. Also, on the subject of York peppermint patties, I ordered someone from Amazon and they arrived this week. They are good, but I have to agree with Josh that cream eggs are the best, although the American owners of Cadbury tried to ruin them by changing the chocolate recipe. I agree, and they've also been getting progressively smaller over time. This is something that deeply disturbs Josh. Every year, so Josh has a child. Storied history with Cadbury cream eggs. Yes. He had his Cadbury eggs stolen out of an Easter basket one year. Mm -hmm. Was it just one? And that was enough for you to throw your tantrum and your mom (laughs) always kept you stocked with Cadbury eggs. No, I think she does it as kind of a joke now. No matter how old I am, she hands me a bag of Cadbury cream eggs. Yes. Here you go, so you don't freak out. (laughs) And you used to put them in the freezer. No. Was that me? I put them in the freezer? Probably. It wasn't me. (laughs) But every year you lament. Yeah, they're, they're not the same. They're not the same. And you're and now you're just like I don't even care Man, anymore. Uh, yeah, really. I, I'm, yeah. I'm. I'm. It, it's just so crazy because like as a as a confection, Cadbury cream eggs, not great. They're, Are they're appreciably full, not. Great. Yeah, they're appreciably not great. <laughs> Drink. No, they're filled with fondant. Sure, it's like liquid fondant. Mm-hmm. Like that is not good. That's not great. But I've I've loved them as a kid. That, that stupid ad campaign with the with the rabbit that's yeah bark, oh bark, my bark, bark, god you know that that whole thing and the lion and then the llama and all that stuff now i funny enough as a kid i never got a cadbury cream egg but i did get rabbits <laughs> okay i will go out on a limb having no experience of this cadbury is a is a british company and the cadbury cream eggs that they have in the uk is probably far superior than what we get is that true because my friend in ireland sent us some Cadbury cream eggs. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you felt like they were significantly better. No, but it's, it's the Irish cream eggs. Oh, okay. The British aren't going to give the good eggs to the Irish. Wow. All right. You know, she, the, you know she, the history. Yeah, she said that you'd say something like that about the Brits. <laughs> <laughs> As an Irish person um, that knows a little bit of history on that side. No, but look at all the, the really good Cadbury bars that like, we don't get out here. They're amazing. Oh, yeah. Like, Cadbury the, chocolate's quite good. Cadbury chocolate line is, mm, and this is kind of a hot take, maybe better than like Hershey's. 
well, as like a major. Isn't Cadbury in the U.S. made by Hershey's? Maybe now, but if you're talking about like British Cadbury. Yeah, my friend sent us Cadbury. And they were great. Chocolates, yeah. The, what's the, uh, Buenos? Is it Bueno? Kinder Buenos. Is that, oh, Kinder, that's also really good. That's all, a separate. All things Kinder are yeah, delicious. Kinder is very good. Because they're just filled with Nutella. <laughs> <laughs> Shoved more Nutella in there. How many ways can we get people to eat Nutella as a snack? <laughs> well, yeah, wasn't that's a whole deep dive. There's like conspiracy theories on Nutella. It's really funny. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't ruin Nutella for yeah, me. I'm not. Jeff continues. My other favorite is Fry's Turkish Delight. I love Turkish Delight. I love Turkish Delight. But he added Fry's. Is that a brand? I'm guessing it's a brand. Like the electronic company that's now out of business. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Turkish Delight's great. There is a place uh, in Seattle near Pike's Place, and it's near the pierogi place Mm -hmm. and the original um, Starbucks that oddly (laughs) always has a line and uh, Beecher's handmade cheese. Okay. There is a Turkish Delight shop there where they make the Turkish Delight fresh and it is the most amazing thing it's they have very a million good. flavors mm-hmm. and what's I, really great is they've teamed up with the fishmongers so they'll throw <laughs> a fish at you full of turkish delight it's outside of pikes i'm just telling you what they're doing out there they're, they're breaking boundaries <laughs> the stuff they're putting together is amazing but I have not been able to find any Turkish delight that tastes anywhere near as good mm-hmm. as that magical Turkish. Delight. Let me tell you about the Starbucks collab, Carpe what? Latte. Oh no! <laughs> it's a carp I... full of a latte, and they throw it at you. <laughs> You've got to seize it, though. You, you know, that's it's just. It's not for the fate of heart. You got to know what you're doing. You got to. You've got to. You've got to have caught a fish before. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just step up and be getting a carpe latte. I actually don't understand the pilgrimage to the original Starbucks. I don't know why that line is always so long. Well, you gotta be. You gotta be a, a Han Solo dressed white woman. What? <laughs> Very basic. To go to the Starbucks because there are some really fantastic Starbucks. I'm out there. kidding. There are ones that serve wine in the evening. Yes, the <laughs> Disney one, right? Doesn't the one at Disneyland do no, that? No, uh, the the only ones I saw were actually in Seattle as well. Mm. Jeff signs off, enjoying discovering some new sweets slash candies, courtesy of the podcast. Seventy three yeah, Jeff M seven G E F. Nice, Thanks, Jeff. nice call sign, Jeff. Way to go. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm sorry that you didn't love the York peppermint patties as much as, you know, the rest of us. <laughs> it's, it's a fine mint. It is, it is a, to, a top-tier mint. I think, okay. it's, I think it's trying to punch out of its weight class, really, is what it's doing. Wow. It's punching way. Top it's, three. It's like, what's his name? Uh, Floyd Mayweather fighting a... Logan Paul. Logan Paul. York How Peppermint Patty is Logan happen? Paul. Like, Logan Paul is York Peppermint Patty. He got knocked out, though. I don't know if he got punched a bunch of times. He didn't <laughs> score a lot because he's punching way out of his like out of his league. He's punching why up did, too far. Why did Mayweather agree to this? Lots of money. <laughs> that is the secret. Okay. There it is. 
All right. The next email is titled Response Podcast from 611 and 618. And this is from Russ. Somebody made a podcast responding to the podcast? No. <laughs> no, no. I think it's just responses to... I mean, that's the next level where somebody actually sends audio. I'm pretty sure Russ also was the kind person who... Yes. ...sent us maple sh- granulated sugar. Which is very interesting. I'm I'm curious. excited about this. I'm curious what that's going to taste like in like a coffee. Ooh. Right? Because it's, it's probably... I'd argue that it's... Well, I don't know what it tastes like. I'm just pontificating sure it's probably like less sugary tasting and more like character because it's you know it's based you on know maple. we should just try it you know okay thank you russ but I, i'm holding this. in my hand the other gift he sent us which i'm also very excited it's the butternut farm the vermont maple sugar company sweet heat maple syrup which is infused with habanero peppers the texture on the sugar is it's so nice like fine brown sugar Lightly wow. tan. That is, that's really delicious. Okay, let's, let's try a little bit here. It's, it looks like sand, but the texture oh, is yeah, something it's a mild... between like regular granulated sugar and powdered sugar. It's mm-hmm. like right in between. And it's mildly it is a sweet mild, with, um, with maple flavor. It's mildly sweet, maple flavor. It does have some like kind of notes of brown sugar as well going on. That's quite good. This would be... That would be good in a coffee, because I don't really like a super sweet anything coffee mm-hmm. related. But that would be nice. I, I, could, I, I feel like that. that would go really well in a crumble. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking... I wonder like, what the melting point is like on this sugar. I also wonder what it would be like to make a meringue out of that. That's a, that's a lot of sugar. Right. But I mean, like, a you know, whatever. A little bit of that. I don't know. Enough that you could get something out of it. And oh, then, so you're going to go straight for the habanero right now? It's Yeah. You're just going to yeah. take a swig? I, I'm thinking about it. Like Super Trooper style? I'm going to smell it. It's It has that fruitiness of a habanero. It actually comes in a whiskey-looking bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I may keep it just for that. Okay, I'm going to taste it. Okay. Ooh, it gets spicy on the back. Like right up front, it tastes just like maple syrup. Probably a little fruitier than maple syrup. I get syrup. a little bit of the habanero. And then right the, the front. heat's on the, right on That's the back. That's great. I would use this in cocktails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this would be a fantastic maple cocktail. That is fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much, Russ. You are introducing Man. us to a world of maple. Two tablespoons of that, 110 calories. I mean, it's all the sugar you need in a day, but 110 calories. <laughs> that's pretty good that's really good i almost want to mix this into a cocktail right now <laughs> <laughs> we've got vodka go nuts you've got most of everything you need right here all right well russ says leia i really like your idea about the license level radios and the user interface to set band limits The only thing I can add to that is the manufacturer might want to add the region function. Also, as many manufacturers sell the same radio across the world, you choose the region, then language and license class. That way, ICOM slash Yesu could sell, say, the IC7610 slash F2 
TDX101D anywhere mm-hmm. in the world. Right. Okay, so I know I did make the suggestion and because I was trying to solve a problem. Yes. Okay. I now don't think this is something that should be developed. Oh. Okay. Because I think what it what it could end up leading to is more regulation on ham radios. If the capability is there, mm-hmm. why wouldn't the FCC just require it to be locked? Um, okay. Well, technically they do, right? So what he was dancing around is that there are some bands, like that's one of the reasons why 220, 1.25 uh, meters is not really that popular anymore because a lot of brands don't make the radios anymore because they only work in one region. The band oh. is so dis- is so different, mm-hmm. appreciably different, mm-hmm. uh, in different in different markets. That to the point where it, it doesn't even exist in some. Mm. So that's why you get like an all band radio is only two meters and seventy centimeters. It doesn't include one point two, one point two five, two twenty. Interesting, right? So it's an interesting, um, interesting kind of dichotomy. I, I see where you're going, and I would agree. But guess what? They're already locked to the hand bands to begin with. Required by the FCC. Right, but not by your license class. Correct. But then it's like, I, I can't see the FCC going down that road, per se. Okay, fair but enough. I, I can see the slippery slope argument you're making. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Russ continues, your idea about adding that pole to your son's bike to assist his learning to balance and ride could be something awesome for Josh. As your son gets older and ventures farther from home, Josh could install something like a Bionics Microtrack AIO, and uh, he provides a link, which I'll put in the show notes, to the bike, and you two could track his location as he moves about the neighborhood. It would be a great spot for mounting an antenna. Mm. <laughs> oh, Russ, you're always I, 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 three steps a, ahead. There was an easy joke in there, too. It was like, as he gets older and ventures further from home, you can always make the bar longer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the, the clear joke he was going yeah. for, but okay. I do like York peppermint patties, junior mints, and the like, but my favorite is Necco wafers as something Josh... Man mocked because of the chalky taste i also occasionally like the circus peanuts as that was my mom's favorite candy well, that's nice that's nice i i mean i, I thought think he was circus, gonna say i also occasionally like to dry dry on the sidewalk with them i think circus peanuts actually survive off of nostalgia yeah who was it oh boy i'm gonna have to look it up right now uh somebody on the discord sent me a picture he dm'd me that uh he had a bag of circus peanuts but they were spicy circus peanuts what it was Vern six they I were don't know covered in chamoy <laughs> yeah it was uh this is from russ yeah hampton farms colossal no sorry colossal salted oh and these are roasted peanuts i thought they were circus oh, peanuts. never mind i I'm, see i'm like salted circus peanuts but That'd while we're good. on the topic how does everybody feel about candy corn <laughs> How do you feel about candy corn? I'm fine. I'm 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 not hard pro candy corn. I was pro candy corn as a child. But I've grown up. What is the only acceptable brand of candy corn? I, I don't know. Knox? Not what what is it? Brox. 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 Yeah. <laughs> that is that's to me anyway. I don't I, I can't even find candy corn outside of Halloween season like fall. 
So as you should, I mean, isn't that all up in your steez? Oh, I wanted you to don't try... want things that exist outside of their season. That's true, but you I did want to try that. to stack a candy corn. Oh, the the, yeah, the other so meta that, it looks that was like a, 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 a trending because I a trending meta item. I saw somebody actually try it, and they said it was near impossible to do. <laughs> they don't know how that was done unless it was with glue. Of course, it was with glue. Uh, well, fine. That'd be a fun Thanksgiving challenge. <laughs> That'll keep the kids quiet for 30 minutes. Addison's <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there just, yeah, just jacked on him. candy corn. <laughs> One of his teeth just be, falls out, becomes a candy corn. And he just corn. shoves the candy corn in to replace it. <laughs> Russ continues, Also, since you like stouts, my wife raves about the Left Hand Brewing yes. Company. Yes. Colorado. Very, Very good. good. I think we recently had the Left Hand Brewing Company. Yeah, I I think the last time I... Well, I spent a lot of time in Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I believe there was a brewery down the street or something like that for Left Hand. It was like a distribution. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like the brewery where they brew the beer. It was like one of those... Sure. You know how when a brewery gets big enough that they have like a fake brewery that you can go to? It's a tasting room. It's a tasting room. Yeah. And it's got like some of the gear there, but they're not like cooking up a bunch of stuff, right? It was like that. The Milk Stout, very good. Left hand brewing milk stout. Yes, yeah, I have had very that milk stout. That is a solid. I'm I'm definitely pro that. Anyhow, have a great rest of your pod this evening. Seventy three Russ KC five CNT, the not so premier Vermont correspondence. Thank you, Russ, and thank you for these delicious goodies. I will throw out something. So this maple syrup comes in a hip flask, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of alcohol comes in a hip flask. There's a hip flask I've been trying to get for a really long time, like a commercial hip flask. Okay. The um, Scottish Monk Tonic Wine Buckfast, they make a hip flask bottle. Didn't we try Buckfast? We did. I had to import Buckfast from Scotland at great cost to, to make that happen. What was the deal with Buckfast that you were so obsessed with getting it? It's caffeinated tonic wine. So it's bum wine. Okay. That's caffeinated. And did you feel like doing some crazy things when you tried it? Yes. It's like it's for love. We had a party. We had a party, remember? Right. And, and we had everybody try it. I don't think I drank enough of it. Um, the the Scottish way of drinking Buckfast, as I've been told in the comics comments of YouTube many times on my video that I made, is that it you must um, it must be drank the whole bottle to your head what yeah that's the that's the what do you mean the whole bottle to your head what does that mean open the bottle and you tilt it up into your mouth and then you drink all of it you've got to slam a wine-sized bottle of buckfast if i'm to believe the commenters on youtube that are scottish and told me the appropriate way of drinking buckfast then yes i don't know (laughs) i don't i don't know i i don't know (laughs) i'm uncomfortable with this (laughs) it's very uncomfy Thank you again, Russ. The next email is titled, You Ask and I Try to Deliver. Mm. This is from Phil. As you requested a few podcasts ago, I'm sending this via Winlink. My Uh answer to the York question, what would you do for a Klondike bar? (laughs) Yeah, Klondike is a better. Klondike's delicious. Yeah, Klondike's great. 
I like all the little varietals of Klondike's, like the little toffee topped ones and nuts and all that stuff. But we did talk a little bit in the Discord about frozen treats. Yes. And you blew some people's minds. Oh, yeah. Because we all started talking about all different things, and somebody brought up It's It. I did. No, I said, somebody. Mint chocolate chip, It's It. Well, somebody before that had brought up It's It. Mm hmm. And then, and then you brought up mint chocolate chip, and it blew some minds. Yeah, it's it's a it's a mint chocolate chip ice cream sandwich, but the cookies are oatmeal cookies. It's so good, and and it's chocolate coated. It is so good, and it only gets better as you eat it, and it melts a little bit, and the ice cream gets all gershmelty with the oatmeal cookie. Mm-hmm. It is fantastic. It is fantastic. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. I'm a, I, I like the frozen Snickers, you know, the Snickers ice cream bar, not a frozen Snickers. Snickers ice cream bar is good, too. But um, it's it. If you can get them, good luck. I don't know where they're even available. And it's got a very, like, local look to them. I think they're out of San Francisco. Yeah. It's like, it looks like a local market good. Like, you're not just going to be able to, like, get that at a Walmart. There was a company that made it was denali and i i don't think they're in business anymore but when i was in college my favorite ice cream was denali moose tracks mm-hmm. it was this all the things that you want mixed into a ice cream it was chocolate it's just the ice cream company going and hey, we got all this extra stuff what do you want to do with it I don't know, throw it all in there and like put in some moose droppings from Alaska. That, we'll call it moose tracks. They, there were like They got a moose, pile of them. Like you chocolate. You see them poop? Those <laughs> things are so big. Their little poops are so tiny, but they make a pile of them. <laughs> don't try to tell me that I was eating <laughs> moose droppings I'm telling you. in my Denali moose tracks. Well, Denali. Where's Denali? So... It was Alaskan. I think Denali's in Alaska. And what do they have in Alaska, Leah? Moose. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Leah's pouring a frontier woman size uh, pour of vodka right now. Or no, it, wasn't, <laughs> it was Sandra Lee, right? One yes. shot of vodka. It's like a pint glass of vodka. Was there ever an episode of Sandra Lee Homemade where she was not sloshed? I, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, and your mom actually reminds me a lot of her. Yeah, not like does. your mom's lush. No, no, not yeah, at all. Yeah. No, not but at all. But she's like a pretty blonde woman right, who right. semi-home makes food. Right. Sandra Lee was a big uh, drinker. Graham Kerr, though, was like the original. The Galloping Gourmet? Yeah, he drank a lot. He was a drinker. I oh, you did it. it! You made a you made a, a spicy maple syrup cocktail. Yeah. It's I, I'm not kidding around. Wow! No, yeah. you're not. You're not even <laughs> at your ham radio questions yet. Man, this is going to be a good pod. Phil continues. I did some looking to confirm my thought on constitutional carry states. Hmm. Currently, with Texas, there are about 20 states that have constitutional. What did carry, I say, Leah? What did both I say? Open and concealed carry. What did I say? 20-something states. All right. All right. Supreme accolades to the first family of ham radio. Y'all do so much good 
for the hobby. I bow to you both. Well, that's very nice. Thank Phil, you. Phil, that is so nice. It's I a would title not that we don't deserve. The first but but uh, check out merch store next week. Uh, yeah. The first family of ham radio <laughs> with our faces on it. I'm just kidding. We wouldn't do that. Yet. The, the, what? <laughs> there are so many amazing ham families. Of out course. There. And Phil signs off 73, Phil, a W0RHP. Thank you, Phil. The next email is titled, Don't Yuck Other People's Yum. That's right. That's what we tell the kids. Peppermint patties and circus peanuts. (laughs) And this is from Ryan. I'm eating them at the same time right now. Leia, seriously? Don't yuck other people's yum? That had me laughing hysterically. Glad to be of service, Ryan. <laughs> it's it's a very good thing to say to kids, actually. Yeah. Because ki- kids just naturally go like, ew. You know, it's like, true. Even if they see something that is a part of their culture that they're not, like, used to, yeah. they'll they'll just yuck the crap out of it. And you're like, no, you gotta try it, man. Just just try it. Right. Well, also, we live in an extremely diverse area. Oh, yeah. We, so, we can't have kids running around doing that. And it's like somebody's family. I like, think BuzzFeed ranked our city as the most diverse in the U.S. As whatever, take, ha, take that, that what, what you will in terms of BuzzFeed's credibility. But, <laughs> right up there. Yeah. With, with the integrity <laughs> of journalistic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we are an extremely diverse city. Mm-hmm. So we do have access to all kinds of very traditional foods from different countries and if you're sitting at lunch Mm -hmm. with your with your other little seven-year-old friends in kindergarten six or seven-year-old friends and oh first grade now (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but imagine sitting there and everybody really gets their lunch packed for them. Right. It's, it's very rare that kids are buying lunch. And so they're bringing out food that their parents cooked at home, theoretically. Right. And you don't want your kid... Like making another the, kid feel bad about... Exactly. Because that's how you end up like where I ended up, where everybody got a sandwich and a juice box and a fruit roll-up. And yeah. or a lunchable. Mm-hmm. That's all garbage. You, you don't want kids eating that anyway. Oh, that's good. Is it? This cocktail is quite good. This is the sweet heat maple syrup from Butternut Mountain Farm, courtesy of Russ. Oh wow! Mixed you used with a, some vodka. You used a decent amount. Of I did. I did. I, I poured everything heavy. It's <laughs> that's a little too sweet for me. A little, like half of that amount would be perfect. All right, I think I'll keep that in mind. Russ for... is like, I-, I sent you that to put it on pancake. <laughs> Try to get boozed on it. <laughs> I promise you, I'll put it on pancakes too. <laughs> <laughs> and trick the children. Ryan says this podcast, this past podcast, was one of the best. Thank you, Ryan K zero C T R. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, Ryan. We. We don't know what we do to make them good. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing when they're good. We don't know what we're doing when they're bad. I, we I, just like doing it. I think that we had vodka club sodas during the last podcast, mm-hmm. and the alcohol hits faster than beer. Uh, okay. Science, also, I think science, you were science talk. I think you were also less tired the last time. I was less tired. Yeah, I'm actually pretty good right now. Yeah, you, you, you look it. You're I, like, I like, yeah. yeah. Just doing the shimmy. You that, know? <laughs> Liz literally dancing right now. 
<laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Just like how the I was last week. The next email is titled... Okay, and this is... I obviously am not saying this because this is a title of something that somebody has written in. But it says, Idaho is a horrible state. <laughs> wow, Leo. That's the title. How dare you say something so controversial? It's so so brave. Yeah. <laughs> Leia with the hot the hot take. This is from Bryson. Bryson said that, not Leia. Hi, hi Leia and Josh. I didn't. I don't want to throw Bryson under the bus either. But it's yeah, he did it. <laughs> he inserted himself. I just need to let you know that the official line from Idaho is that it's a horrible state that no Californian should ever. Ah, uh, I see what he did. Uh, you know, Ethan just moved there. But Ethan wasn't from California. He was from Washington. Oh, wait, he went from Washington to Idaho? Mm -hmm. They bought a house. You saw his sheds, right? Oh, yeah. So awesome. He's killing it. That's so awesome. I'm so excited for him. Yeah. Yeah. Got a little Uh family coming along. It's Uh great. Awesome stuff. Bryson says, it's Arctic during the winter and scorching in the summer. Everything Californians hate. Yes. Californians like to visit that kind of stuff. We don't like to live in it. True story. And I mean the, the, the coastal Californians. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The, there are parts of California, like where my dad lives, that's just like that. All, you know, that's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. high altitude. Unofficially, it's, a, it's actually really nice here. I think Leia would like it. If you stay in the southwestern Idaho near Oregon and Nevada borders, the temperature stays fairly moderate. There are some snow days during the winter, but normally the snow has melted by the afternoon. During the summer, it gets hot, but not as bad as, say, Arizona. The moderate climate is one of the reasons my family ended up here. When it comes to ham radios, there's an ever-growing group of friendly and helpful hams in the area, all with varying interests in the hobby. I've also heard there are a bunch of POTA sites that have never actually been activated. Tell Bob. If soda is your thing, there are tons of summits. Also, counterintuitively, there are some, there are even some iota spots that have never been activated. Islands on the air? In Idaho? What? I'm, is it like islands in a lake? Yes, Leia. What, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. It's no, it's confusing. it's an island that's on the uh, the the floating yes. uh, driving range. <laughs> It's a hazard, though, right? Yeah. You, that's why they haven't been activated because you got to go out there on your own risk. It's just people driving at you as as fast Bonk. as possible. There is one caveat: Californians aren't the most welcomed in the state, hence the "quote unquote" official line. That's why we sent Bob in there first. Oh, was Bob in Idaho yeah. too? Yeah, he retired to Idaho. That's why we sent him in first. Oh, okay. A lot of retired police officers, Bob told me. He really? said it's, it's retired cop nirvana. That's what he told me. Really? Yeah. What did he like about it? It's retired cop nirvana. Oh, just like lots of other. <laughs> it's like lots safest, of everybody else that's about, he, about him. State. He's like, I, this is my land. This is the land of my people. <laughs> yeah. Man, I got to call Bob. I haven't talked to him in a long time. So... Californians actually aren't welcome in the majority of states. That's just real. I I, I do want to remind everybody that California is the most population-dense state in the nation. Third largest for landmass. We are a very diverse group of people. 
and that when you hear there's a California moving into your state, you may not want to judge them as just being some super crazy political person that is diametrically opposed to you. It's true. Jason, Ham Radio 2.0, was very surprised when he drove up California. Mm -hmm. He stopped in many gun stores. He stopped in many places that were off of the coastal cities, the large coastal cities. Mm -hmm. And the politics varied significantly. Right. So it's too big to try and generalize the whole state. It really is. They, it's. Like, I don't care that you do, by the way. I don't care. doesn't bother right. me. Go ahead. Keep doing it. I'm just saying, think about it a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I, I think it's very much like other states where a lot of the large metropolises may skew a certain way. Mm-hmm. But then as you move out, I mean, keep in mind, California has a lot of farmland, too. Yeah. And it's when... It's the breadbasket of the West. Okay. <laughs> To, to, to spout a slogan. No, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of food that is produced in California. Yeah. I mean, we have microclimates and we have... Uh, <laughs> where, it's, where it's chili. It's true. California chili. That's a, that's a word. It's not food. It's a temperature. Yes. <laughs> and there's a, there are actually a, a good number of conservatives out here, too. I yeah, think. just go east. Just wherever you're at, if you go east, you'll hit a conservative really fast. Yeah. Well, guess what? If you go south, Mm -hmm. that's just east of the coast. If you're by the water, just go east. (laughs) You'll you'll hit a conservative real quick. Just keep going. I mean, don't physically hit a conservative. That's not nice. No, because they've got guns. They'll shoot back. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's a lot of counties that allow concealed carry. I mean, there, you could also go east and hit a liberal. I mean, that's... Yeah, but there's not as many, statistically. Okay, fair enough. But also, don't hit liberals. Like, don't hit anybody. I, okay, fine. <laughs> I keep telling Edison this every day. I know, that's, you know... <laughs> don't hit people. Oh, right, right. <laughs> you gotta practice what you preach, Judge. Man. <laughs> Bryson continues, as... Two Laotians growing up in Hawaii, I met a decent amount, and I don't think any of them were particularly wealthy. Mm. Oh, this is in reference to, we were talking about Laotians, Mm -hmm. and I had said that every Laotian I had met was wealthy. I had... uh, I'm going to put this down as sample size is everything. Right. If you have a I sample have not size of two, met many Laotians, right, but right. my past Laotian roommate. This very is wealthy. this is where people get themselves in a lot of trouble. Is mm-hmm. when their sample size is too small to make an appropriate generalization. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's fine that you 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 can make that for the convenience of discussion. Just know that you probably don't have a large enough sample size mm-hmm. to to form a valid opinion. Sure. Bryson continues, but maybe that was sure. just the area I grew up in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, also, how many Laotians are actually in the United States? It's probably... There's a lot. Come on. Laos yeah. is not that big. Laos is not that... Again, sample size is everything. Laos sure. is not that big, and the United do, States is huge. I do also want to note the f- fact that the people who immigrate to the U.S., mm-hmm. From any country. Yes. Those are people who are willing to 
take a risk, be uncomfortable, and quite often oh start at the bottom yes. and work their way up. And that combination of uh, characteristics tends to make people very successful. So it's a, it's a very interesting, if you think of that, just keep that in your brain, mm-hmm. right? Of someone who is willing to forgo the comfort of what they know right now yeah. and to possibly put themselves in a worse situation is, in my opinion, looking at history, a very American trait. Yes. America we are a country of immigrants. was built and expanded by people that were willing. And you just look at the Western expanse. Right. The Oregon Trail. Those are people who literally decided. Braving dysentery. Th- that they were going to, <laughs> and, and snakebite, <laughs> that they were going to forego comfort and have to prepare significantly to make a strenuous journey. They did it over wagons. Other n- people that came to this country did it on boats. Mm-hmm. Some did it on planes. Sure. A little bit easier. Less mm-hmm. prepping required. Uh, <laughs> less time uh, in transit. Okay. But still, you you have to appreciate that that is, I think, one of the traits that we want to foster in this country, regardless of where you come from and what your your nationality is, doesn't matter. That's the the trait that we want. We want those hardworking, tenacious people. Regardless. It's you know? true. Yeah. It's true. I'm not trying to turn this into another one of those podcasts that sure. was like our... Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I mean, think about it like that, guys. Really do. Like, think about the history of our country and what the people went through, like making the country and then appreciate the people that want to come here and what they're willing to go through to do that. Right. They're, that is an American thing they're doing. Absolutely. Bryson continues, as to Envis... Antennas. NVIS, yes. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get the QRZ zombies yelling at you. I believe that they have a farther range than the line of sight with UHF VHF. Yes. But I remember, if I remember correctly, you can get about 800 miles with NVIS. Yeah. Well, yes, generally. Another practical use would be if you were in a valley or canyon yes. and wanted to get comms out. Yes. For that to work with UHF uh, VHF, oh. you would need someone or a repeater on a mountain or at the top of the canyon to transmit the single uh, signal out. Wonderful point. With Invis, you can just bounce your signal right up and out. At least that's what I take from it. Mm-hmm. I've never actually tried to use it in a valley, though. Maybe in the next month or two, I'll give it a try. Thanks for all the work you do for Ham Radio 73 Bryson N7. HNL. What's what's funny is I think that was like the first email of this podcast that was like a actual ham radio comment <laughs> for we the had, emails. No, we had a, others. Did we? Yeah, right, maybe a few. Yeah. But so Bryson, beautiful point, absolutely fantastic. NVIS eighty meters, NVIS forty meters, NVIS eighty meters is a really good. Keep it low to the ground. You will get very consistent communication in close uh, and and throughout the day even with that. Great. Thanks so much for that email, Bryson. And maybe we'll take a trip to Idaho. I've been. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boise. But, I mean, Boise is the capital, too. So, you know, you got to spread out and try some of the, sure. the local flavor. Got to try out the chili. The, the Idaho chili. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a thing. I, I just made it up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> At least I haven't heard of it before. I'm sure Idaho has chili. <laughs> okay. You know, no, it's one state in the nation where it's not allowed. 
As free as they are, that's the one thing. <laughs> Cannot bring chili. The next email is titled, Let's Get This Train Rolling. <laughs> this is from Casey. Just jumping on the Winlink bandwagon Uh-oh. seems like an honorable idea. Also, you can't go wrong with a Pearson's salted nut roll. Huh. Okay. I'll I don't think I've up. ever had one of those before. You keep reading. I'll look it okay. up. Okay. Well, Casey says, happy Father's Day, Josh. Thank you. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Oh. Yes. You know what? Happy I might Father's have Day. had a Pearson's salted nut roll now that I see the, the branding on it. Oh. Oh, no. I have had one of those, too. Yeah. I think I had that in either Oregon or Washington. Big red, you know, logo on it. Pearson's is pretty small and salted nut roll. Very large. (laughs) (laughs) Leia, please brave the snow. We could use more liberty-minded people in Colorado right now. Just kidding, sort of. But really. Just kidding, but don't. (laughs) Besides, it's not (laughs) that bad along the front range. You both are probably sick and tired of hearing about the giveaway antenna, but this email was sent using it. Casey was one of the winners of the chameleon. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Casey signs off 73 Casey KF0 AAC sent using WinLink on 7.062.50 megahertz via W0VG. Okay. There you, are. you is that two Winlink emails so far? So far, that might be nice. the new. That might be the new jam. They're using <laughs> ham radio to send us email. <laughs> Thank you. That so should much, be. Casey. That should be. The, Glad uh, you're enjoying that antenna. That should be a shirt we make. Hmm. The Winlink email correspondent. Oh. Yeah, uh-huh. because okay. you could be feel. We could. Be, you could be in a field. Yeah, a true field a correspondent. A true field correspondent. No <laughs> signal. And you could email. So that that's what I want to, I want to see is somebody that's like, I'm, I'm in an area, no cell phone. Uh-huh. No cell phone reception. Right. Very, very sparse. Sure. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sending you this email. The weather is chilly where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I've made 20 contacts. Uh, I've definitely activated my park. Yeah, something like that. That'd be funny. Not really, but, you know, I like the idea. All right. The next email is titled Super Ham and Leia. Greetings, fellow Earthlings. I've been binge watching the first season of the new CW series, Superman and Lois. And it occurs to me that there are some definite parallels with you guys. Superman and Lois? (laughs) Oh, it, no, it's not. Of course it's not, Leia. He said new. But I feel like they introed that show on Supergirl, which of I actually did. watch all the almost all the I DC know, CW so shows. They're so bad. They're so wholesome. The Flash is probably the best, but I think Small I think Smallville just did a number on me. I watched it for multiple seasons and I'm like, this is just It's a what soap am opera. I doing? Like what am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched Superman and Lois though. So right. maybe that's something I've got oh, to try out. We are going to watch Invincible, though. That's on my list to get you to watch. All right. It's on Netflix. Uh-huh. It's an adult cartoon about superheroes. Think more The Boys, <gasps> but a, an animated cartoon about superheroes. If you haven't watched The Boys on Amazon, you are missing out. It on is fantastic. 
really uh, don't let whole, your kids anywhere in the no, room. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Do it not. Is, it is so inappropriate and so gritty, but a very realistic view of what superheroes. If there were real superheroes yes. and it was America, this is how they would right. be. Right. Yeah. Rich continues, in this series, Superman is married to the lovely, brilliant, and talented Lois Lane. Of all the Kryptonians I've ever met, this Superman is the most human. He not only is the only Superman to have a permanent five o'clock shadow rivaling Rod Serling's, but he has fathered with Lois two boys with distinct personalities and skill sets. Superman has given each member of his family Baofeng-like supersonic or hypersonic signal devices to summon him when needed. And when coupled with his super hearing, they are like whisper beacons on steroids. These gadgets are obviously part 15 compliant. However, Superman does not break the law. He has a crystal-controlled shack in his Fortress of Solitude, uh-huh. not like Josh's shack, which we do there. weekly on YouTube. Where does he get all those wonderful toys? That's a Batman reference. <laughs> I was the Joker that said that in the first Batman movie. Well, not the first, but the Michael Keaton Batman. Michael Keaton was a good Batman. So was Adam West, arguably the best. Adam West, definitely. Yeah. Shark repellent. Just happened to have that in his belt. What can I say? Together, Super Dad and Super Mom protect their family unit in particular and the Earth in general against the enemies of truth, justice, the American way, and against interplanetary radio pirates. Okay. That's what's I on the business card, but really all they do is go around I? and hunt down RFI. That's all we do. <laughs> I am hooked on both series, Superman and Lois and Superham and Leia. That's funny. Both featuring a super dad and super mom. Thank you. That is That's so very nice. nice. Thank you so much. Because I regularly listen to your podcast over FM radio's position throughout my house by means of a low-powered transmitter connected to my PC, I assume by now alien civilizations are beginning to detect your program via my crude radio signals. Perhaps York from Orc will now Ah. finally properly understand the best of our earthly culture. Your program will provide an excellent counterbalance, you might say a counterpoise, to the I Love Lucy reruns of those Andromedans have been relying on for so many decades. I sincerely hope it's not too late. Was that where Mork was from, Andromeda? Yes, of Mork and Mindy? hmm I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And that's from Rich, WB3EGD. P.S. I've also been watching the new Kung Fu series, also on the CW Network, but those parallels will have to wait for another letter. Hmm. CW? Coincidence? I think not. I have also watched a few episodes of that Kung Fu series. What is this Kung Fu series? It is about a girl who uh, learned Kung Fu Fu in China. And then the... Wait, it's Kung Fu? Yes. Like the old school Kung Fu? Yes, but with a female Asian lead instead of David Carradine. Carradine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Rich. That was... That was... So many nice things. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. 
And you've introduced me to a new show that it sounds like I should watch. So thank you. <laughs> They're going to have a whole like throwback to you must snatch the pebble from my hand. Is she is she Shaolin? Uh, Shaolin? I believe so. Okay. At least they held true and to that. And then she comes nice. back to the U.S. after her her temple is raided. Is and this her like current day? Is, yeah, it's current day. Mm-hmm. And her master is killed. And so she comes back and she must avenge her kung fu master. In the United States? Yes. Because the person that killed him is in the United States? I think it's an organization or something. Or No, it's not. It's a, it's a person. I, I, ha- I watched the first episode. Of when you started saying time. organization, I thought you were going to say like, oh, it's in Oregon. I'm like, okay. No. <laughs> well, all right. I will say this. Hmm. Ben has been taking Kung Fu. Oh my gosh, I didn't. Okay, okay. And okay. I didn't think we were going. You here. just recently actually started helping him with Kung Fu. Otherwise, yeah, because he's am at the, the point, point where he's person. starting to like kick things and right. hit things. Mm-hmm. So he is like, we have contact pads and stuff. And I like his Kung Fu master so much. She's great. I I expect Ben would avenge anything that happened to her too. Yes. <laughs> Uh, there's really something about kung fu teachers where they they are almost philosophers yeah as well and they're trying to impart on you not just self-defense and martial arts knowledge they get a little wordy though just a, a centering of the world everyone that wants to be referred to as like sifu or something like that they can get a little wordy she doesn't insist on that okay yeah but, i mean what is what is lao shu is teacher teacher yeah. <laughs> what's sifu but that's because it's a chinese school <laughs> what okay I mean? okay hey hey i'm just here with the words i don't know man i don't know half what i'm saying all right the next email is titled license class radio opposing viewpoint and then this is from dirk hey dirk bring it on i've already changed my mind <laughs> dirk's, dirk's good name double-bladed knife felony in most states wow that's really Remember when we talked about uh, felony knives hard mm-hmm. felony mm-hmm. dirk or dagger dirk says hello again to the first family of <laughs> youtubers <laughs> i have been following the conversation over the last few podcasts about limiting radios for the license class held by the user and respectfully submit an opposing viewpoint Perhaps this is just OTS, old-timer syndrome, but I was taught that with every privilege comes responsibility. That's the Spider-Man argument. (laughs) For example, before you take your driving test, you must learn to operate the class of vehicle you'll be driving. Your license confers a responsibility to operate your vehicle safely and in accordance with local laws. The same holds true for other all-license activities, both professional and recreational. Ham radios are not like common household appliances, and those who hold an amateur radio license should have the responsibility to use them in accordance with the privileges granted by their license class. Would you want your gun restricted to fire only when the law deemed it to be legally (laughs) appropriate? No. 
in California, well, I mean, that would pretty much Because sometimes I just like to shoot never. right in the air. I mean, when, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. When I returned to the hobby last year after an extended absence, I posted a sign on the wall which tells me where I can transmit. Yes. With my advanced license, I don't have many restrictions, but I want to make sure that I keep it legal. Mm-hmm. On a different note, I want to thank you for all you do for the hobby. When we were locked down last year, I turned to YouTube to find out what was new in ham radio mm-hmm. and immediately found your channel. I dusted off some of my old gear and turned it back on. Amazingly, after 25 years in a box in my hot garage, everything pretty much still worked. I didn't have any HF gear left, but it was but was very interested by your videos on digital modes, especially FT8. I got out my trusty old realistic DX440 circa 1989 loaded WJSTX on my PC. WSJTX. Oh, WJSTX? Uh, no, WSJTX. It's fine. It's fine. On my PC, strung up a long wire in a tree and plugged the radio into the sound card on my PC. Amazingly, it worked great, and I was picking up FT8 exchanges from stations around the world. That's awesome. Then I watched your video on Grid Tracker, which was a game changer for me. Yeah, yeah I knew is. then that I had to go all in. I picked up an ICOM 7300, built a fan dipole, and haven't looked back. That's awesome. Since November 2020, I have worked over 70 countries on FT8 and a few on SSB2 during contests. I joined a local club and will be doing field day with them for the first time in 30 years. The club I belong to is the Moreno Valley Amateur Radio Association, MVARA, and we will be active at the March Airfield Museum using the call AF6MF. It is open to the public, and admission to the museum is not required to visit the field day operation. Oh, cool. There will be a GOTA station where the public can make real field day contacts. What's GOTA? Get on the air station. Oh. Since yours is the ham radio podcast of record, does this count as a press release? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it may be getting out there. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. This past April, my family and I took a vacation in Grand Junction, Colorado to visit my oldest son. I took the 7300 and a Wolf River coil along to do some portable operating at the house we rented. My son's girlfriend was immediately captivated. She's in her 20s, grew up in Russia, and is very technologically oriented to begin with. She is now studying for her technician license and plans to visit the field day operation of the local club there in Grand Junction. I'm hoping they have a go-to station since she already knows Morse code, having been taught by her father who was in the military. It would blow their minds if a 20-something woman came off the street and just started banging it out that on would be CW. Cool. That would be cool. Thanks again for all you do. 73 from Dirk and 6 UNH. P.S. This message is sent via WinLink. Oh. All right. So I, I just want to say I, I, I always love all the feedback we get. And, you know, personally, I get a lot of messages when people reach out and said, you know, I brought them to ham radio, I love that. When people tell me that I brought them back to ham radio, that's really cool. Yowza. That's like super <laughs> cool. I, I, I can't, 
like that's very humbling. I mean, it's always humbling. It always means a lot to me, but that's something pretty special. I feel is when somebody says like, I got out of the hobby and I stumbled back into your videos and it brought me all back back in in. and I fell in hard and my wife's upset at me and (laughs) (laughs) this whole thing, uh, I am always humbled by that. Uh, thank you so much, Dirk. It was a very nice email. Uh, Dirk actually has a correction on the field day information in okay. case anybody is uh, looking at attending or making contact with this club. He says, not sure if you've already read my field day um, part prior to the email, uh, but he wanted to correct the club plans. Again, I will be operating with the Moreno Valley Amateur Radio Association, MVARA, and we have decided to stick with our club call for field day, which is AB6MV. The call AF6MF is dedicated for use at the March Field Air Museum in Riverside, with whom we have partnered and are preparing an exhibit dedicated to antique military and civilian radio. I did not know such a thing was so close to us in Riverside. Our goal is to have an exhibit comparable to those at the USS Iowa and Queen Mary. Oh, Thanks again, and 73, Dirk, K6, UNH. That's fantastic. We should go to the Queen Mary. Do they actually have a ham radio set up? And they let hams operate. Why are we not there? You know it's sinking. What? what, what? The Queen Mary's sinking. They're expecting, I guess there's like some ship damage that um, because of lack of maintenance during the pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I think it might because they lost all that revenue mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Oh, because people weren't coming. Right. Uh-huh. That they may not be able to stay afloat. <laughs> that's... Wow, Lena. <laughs> that, I mean... That's I, usually me that's supposed to make those kind of jokes, but... Yeah, yeah, that's true. But... So, I mean, sooner rather than later on the Queen Mary, I guess going to so. try to do that one. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Dirk. The next email is titled HRCC Community Radio Design. And this is from Kyle. Okay. Captain Leia and Swab Josh. Uh-huh. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> I like Leia's idea for the band lockout option on a radio. This would be very straightforward to implement into a software defined radio. Josh, last week you talked about designing your own radio and believe. Me, I went ankle deep, head first into a project like that. I picked up several books, such as Build Your Own Transistor Radio, and a few I can't recall at the moment. I decided early on that SDR was the way to go and started looking for more information. I quickly came across the Hack RF and Portapack attachment. Great Scott, the creator of the project, has a ton of good information on the website, and the project being open source made it very easy to study the design and see the inner workings. Taking on a project like that as a single person can be a very daunting task. Why not create an HRCC open source community designed radio? I envision a few ways the project could go, but building off the work of others is a good way to take a lot of the legwork out of a project and help ensure the finished product can fit many budgets. Perhaps create an add-on board for HackRF that includes filter and amplification to make usable QRP radios. 
Include on the board an attachment to mount a Pi Zero and a touchscreen or other display. The project could have several variations of the same PCB footprint, allowing for use as 2 meter, 70 centimeter, HF, and microwave. Keeping the case for the project the same, but allowing modularity. Carry one radio and swap out the PCB as a protective case to work different band soda or poda. Use GitHub for members to fork the project and fund the project. <laughs> so it's fork. But maybe it-, it might be for, for code base. Okay. And make improvements and test before submitting back to the main branch yeah. for a beta before it becomes an official release. That's a that's a baseline branching thing, forking the baseline. I see. This will also help give prospective developers some experience with version control that may help further their perf- their personal careers. Anyways, didn't have this time uh, time this week to send this via WinLink. Work has been brutally busy lately. Promise the next one to come over the radio. 73s, may your noise floor be low and the bands jumping. Kyle KD0VSW. Yeah, the the more I thought about that after I, I did that podcast, I, I'm I'm with you on the idea of doing like a community source thing. I think that's a really good idea. But my kind of thought was that we would use the Raspberry Pi as a base, and that we would just make a hat that that fits on top of a Raspberry Pi, and then that could be you could have two versions. You could have an HF version and like a VHF UHF version or something like that. That's totally feasible. I, the, the more the more time I spent with it, I was like, okay. So really then we're, we're making the radio as a hat and we just need to interface the GPIO pins and then leverage the computer that's already there with the Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. That seems something that was, you know, actually very interesting to me. So that could be in the future. Great. Possibly. Great suggestion, Kyle. Thank you so much. The next email is titled That Infectious Laughter from Vern. Okay. Hi, Leah. I am well, thank so you enjoying your, your podcast. Your laughter and good humor are so infectious and a great respite from our usually stress-filled week. Thank you. That's so That's nice of nice. you to say. The manner in which you and Josh interact makes me feel like you are both our long-lost friends or something. It's surreal and a very, very pleasant addition to our entertainment time. Well, thank you. That's awesome. That's Ah, that makes me feel so good. It's very nice. My wife is a general class ham herself, KR5SIX. She will be the first to tell anyone she only got her license because I asked her to. I'm not sure it's possible for her to care less about radio use day to day, to be honest. She's a very competent ham, but really doesn't enjoy playing radio as much as I do. The other day, the weekend after I purchased a ton of new ham radio gear, she made me take her on a little road trip to quilt stores, craft shows, sightseeing, and the like. <laughs> Very smart. That's, that's my kind of woman. <laughs> I'm sure her intent was to torture me for the damage I did to the checking account for the previous weekend, even though she said it was just to spend time with me. Ha. We were in the car for hours that weekend, so I fired up your podcast. Behold, she was hooked. Oh, wow. That's cool. Welcome, KR5SIX. That's awesome. We we were both laughing and thoroughly enjoying your show together. I want to thank you for that. 
it's our pleasure. That's great. Thank you. After several weeks of us both listening religiously, she has become more, much more receptive to playing with ham radio. At the moment, she is pretty interested in SDR and has even told me to buy a new Flex 6400M when I go to the Huntsville Ham Fest in August. Yay me. Wow. I will be sure to buy Josh a few cold ones to say thanks when I see him there. I don't think I'm going to be sober the entire weekend if people keep telling me that <laughs> wow Vern, that's you, insane that's a nice radio you definitely have a keeper yeah the- <laughs> leia's gonna be like how much was that again? <laughs> also please don't give him any ideas how many handbags <laughs> do i get another side effect is that she and i have been discussing beverages and york peppermint patties <laughs> she refuses to eat the yankee chili though <laughs> Whoa. With her being a staunch Texan since birth, I don't think there is any chance in the world that she would even try that stuff. Beans and chili are just not done in Texas oh, no. or anywhere south of the Mason-Dixon, really, and all of that. Yes, there's Big no pause. beans. The, the beans are something that is a, an accessory item. It doesn't have to be added to Skyline. And in fact, it doesn't come that way unless you ask for it. Right. It is a pure That is the meat. three-way Right. It is right. a pure meat chili, which to te- to Texans specifically and chili purist, it yes. qualifies as a purist chili. Yeah. I mean, I've had Texas chili. Mm-hmm. I think it is some of the best yeah, no question. chili in yeah. America. The And I do believe that if a Texan were to try Skyline, they would like it. It's not the same flavor. It, it's, it's not spicy. It, it's... I, it's not spicy, yeah. but I want everybody to understand that it is a chili in the sense that it qualifies because it uses chili spices, but the flavor profile of Skyline almost makes it, it its own thing. Yes. It's like its own specialized thing that I don't think you should necessarily bring preconceived notions. If you don't want to put the onions and the beans and the cheese on it, you don't have to. Yeah. And it's still going to be good. I'd say that it's a cross between like a beef stew, a spaghetti meat sauce, and a chili. No, I, I think I think many people that say it's it has close ties to like a bolognese it is yeah. accurate. Yeah, it, it it has bolognese ties, but the flavor profile is distinctly chili. And then obviously the Vietnamese spices we've talked about, yeah. which was utterly shocking and surprising and I think very it's good. The cinnamon, it's a cinnamon and a few other things. And whatever yeah. it is, it's very good. Uh, Vern continues, another, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I rarely go to Walmart, but happened to be there today. At the end of the checkout lane, there was a display that had three boxes of Almond Joy and one box of York peppermint patties. <laughs> the stuff we can't sell. <laughs> Needless to say, I couldn't resist. I bought two Yorks. When I got home, my dear wife simply facepalmed and asked, what has Leia done to you? <laughs> I thought you would enjoy hearing how much y'all impact this candy addict. I roared when she blamed my lack of self-control on you. <laughs> Man, I hope you really liked. Yeah, he didn't say yeah. if you liked it or not. Yeah. Does he say it? Anyhow, both of us thoroughly enjoy your podcast and recently have become a He is fall. too kind. He, he wasn't even going to tell you his yeah. thoughts because we know what his thoughts are. 
If I can introduce you to the world of York peppermint patty. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I don't I, even know how this I became a thing. I consider that a job well done. Sometimes things happen on this podcast where I'm like, why? Why did this happen? <laughs> Uh, and recently have become small financial supporters to help with the costs in some small way. Well, thank you. Thank I appreciate you. that. Thank you. Great entertainment is hard to find, and we are happy to pay to support our fix. Aw, that's, that's so very nice. nice. Very kind. 73 KV5SIX and KR5SIX. Wow, your call signs are very close. They are. That's one letter off. Blessings, Vern. P.S. One of the Yorks didn't make it home. That's because they're delicious. Okay, so he ate it. So he he was on, he was on board. Well, he's, we don't know. Does he say more? Yeah. Is that it? P- uh, P.S. Two. I'm probably wearing your husband out on Discord. I promise I'm not a stalker. Oh no, that's Vern. Okay, <laughs> yes. okay, got it, got it. That's that Vern. Vern. Yep. Yes. P.S. Three. We need a beverage channel on the Discord server. There is. I one. believe we have one. It's called uh, Libations, I believe. Yes. So Vern. I, I think you found a new place to visit. Yeah, Vern sent is, me a bunch of his uh, his bourbons that he's got. It's very nice, very cool. Uh, Vern was actually the one I looked up for the the salted peanuts. He was the one that sent me the picture of the salt. Oh, nice. I thought they were circus peanuts nice. for some reason. Um, at least I thought we had a libations. Let me keep looking. And Vern has included some pictures of this end cap in which candy bars are only eighty eight cents. What? How is that possible? Candy bars are so expensive in California now. Hmm. Yes. 88 cents for Almond Joy and York. You should definitely enjoy that. Are you looking something up, Josh? I was looking for the libations. I don't know what happened to our... Libation? Isn't it... It's not an off-topic? Oh, no, it is. Libations. There it is. Yep. Yeah, go post there. All right. Thank you so much, Vern, for the support and such a kind email. That's very nice. Thank you, Vern. And thank you also to Vern's wife. Um, you are a good woman. Yeah. yeah I, I'll, you know what? I'm just going to say, you're a better woman than me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you both enjoy the flex very much. Yes, indeed. <laughs> the next email is titled, Scenario to Think Through. Mm. And this is from Jimmy. Okay. Hello, Josh and Leah. I have a scenario to lay out for you, and I am interested to hear what you will come up with. Okay. You're out overlanding in the wilderness, and you have a problem with your vehicle that leaves you stranded. For argument's sake, you are not by yourself, but the other vehicle is stuck too. You have no cell signal, and you are not in range of any repeaters to use to call out for help. You are out of range for APRS as well. You do have a laptop HF radio means to power it and an antenna for 20 and 40 meters. Your goal is to get your group out of the wilderness to somewhere you can communicate through normal cell service. You don't need immediate rescue as everyone is safe, has plenty of food and water and shelter. And since you were overlanding and have that all with you, what would be the mo- your mode of HF you would use to try and communicate with over RF? Mm. My thought would be to try voice first, then Winlink to family and friends. What about other digital modes? Are there digital modes that would work good in this scenario? Now, what if there was a life-threatening emergency where time does matter? Does that change anything from the first scenario? Yeah, there's there's so many things to cover in that one. Okay, so he he mentioned that he had antennas and had HF. 
but mentioning what type of antenna might be important here. If he had an Envis antenna, that might make his ability to get close-in contacts a little bit better. That could be helpful, but maybe, only maybe, because you may be able to hear someone local or get to someone local, but they could be running a vertical, so you might not be able to, they may not be able to get back to you or vice versa, right? I like his, I'm going to go voice, and then I'll maybe go Winlink in his scenario. He was kind of trying to reach somebody, it sounds like, who, who might be able to also come out and help them fix their vehicle or whatever it is they needed help with. And that's more of a help me get unstuck or bring me a tool mm-hmm. so that I can get on with it kind of thing. Uh, Winlink may be the first way to go in that case. Uh, if you're going voice, well, you know, start with the bands that you hear people on. That's going to be what I would recommend is go to where, well, also go to wherever your antenna is, of course. But if um, if you hear people out on 20, try 20. If Oddly enough, and, and this, <laughs> this, this may make some people mad, but oddly enough, you might want to try asking for help on 14.300. Uh, you know, I know that's the Maritime Mobile Net, and uh, and they're really active in monitoring that frequency, though. So if you legitimately needed help, I think they might be able to uh, to help you there. Mm-hmm. It, it honestly comes down to who you can hear. Um, you can call emergency traffic, you know, and, and say basically uh, just start calling CQ, but, you know, that's going to depend on how strong your station is, how good your antenna is, et cetera, et cetera. It might be easier to piggyback on a rag chew that's already going on. And if it's that case, um, I would really recommend that you just say emergency or emergency traffic in between their talking so that they get the opinion that, you know, you need help. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's not, you know, in, again, his scenario, but he kind of he said two scenarios, but his first scenario was not really emergency, just kind of need help. You might be able to say like break, 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 something like that. And hopefully they would let you in. If not, scroll around a little bit and find somebody that can help. That would be um, the way to do it if you had HF radio. You might also want to consider a sat phone. You know, if, you, if you're going to spend a lot of time overlanding without cell phone reception, you might want to consider a sat phone. There's nothing wrong with having multiple layers of emergency preparedness. You don't carry just one bandage into the field. You may even have more than one tourniquet. So... And you definitely have one one more gallon of water if you've got people, right? So why not have a layered communication approach or a spot beacon or something like that, you know, that would uh, give you a little bit more ability um, to get out if you needed help. Got it. Yeah. Good question. I love those scenario questions. Those are great. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, uh, job, Jimmy, Jimmy signs off. Thank you both for the fun podcast mm. to listen to. You mentioned digital mode. JSA call. That would be the other one. JSA call is a little more um, proactive. If you did hear somebody on JSA call and you can immediately chat with them, you had a laptop, boom, boom, boom. You can say, call this person. I need help. Tell them. Oh, also, this is the other thing I just thought of. You need your GPS, too. You're going to need to know where you're at Mm. to tell someone I'm here. So Mm -hmm. you will want to have some kind of GPS uh, capability or very specific um, relative coordinates of where you're at if you've got a map or something like that and you know what you're doing with with that but if you don't know what you're doing with maps and how to explain it to somebody over radio you should consider getting a gps or a gps dongle for your laptop or an icom ic705 (laughs) (laughs) okay the most expensive gps receiver you can get well not the most but you know got it 
Jimmy signs off. Thank you both for the fun podcast to listen to and for letting us listeners join in and participate. Jimmy and three J-E-S. Yeah, great. Thank you, Jimmy. Jimmy. Good question. The next email is titled Correction from Bryson. Hi, Leanne, Josh. Another email because I was listening to one of the old podcasts. Thank you for going back and yeah. listening to the rest of the catalog. Listen to the back catalog. Yes. <laughs> I'm not sure if you got the information, but in the episode titled Bad Behavior in Ham Radio, Josh couldn't figure out why you would identify in Morse code when having a phone conversation. One reason I noticed is repeater identification. Instead of always having to broadcast the repeater ID in a voice, most will rotate and identify in code. I think that it probably saves some time while still complying with the requirement to ID. Yeah. That rule is just saying that's allowed. I don't remember if you got that clarification, but I just thought I, I would put it out there. <laughs> I, I definitely got that clarification because I believe specifically the, um, the the connotation was they were having a rag chew just on a frequency. And one of the individuals was IDing with Morse code. I actually heard that on HF last week. Really? He had a button. He pressed it and it was call sign. Boom. And he would he would blast out his call sign in Morse code. Isn't that kind of hard, though, if other sure. people aren't? Are there like no codes? Yeah. Right? Well, and then uh, how do you track, you know, the sounds like another form of gatekeeping, right? Well, he was kind of a snarky because, dude, too. But don't you want to be able to confirm the contact? He wasn't trying to confirm contacts with anybody. He was on there ranting about politics and getting in and, and oh. having a well, roundtable with his buddies. And people were like coming in and making comments about what they were talking about. And they weren't oh, about that. They didn't like that. So I see. they started, he started IDing via Morse code. Okay. Bryson signs off 73 again, Bryson N7 HNL PS. Oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, everybody listening, all of these newfangled radios have the capability of recording QSOs. I suggest you record the juicy QSOs you get. And if you get a really juicy one, email me at hoshnasi at gmail.com. Josh loves a juicy QSO. I want it. I may make a remix. (laughs) So I'm just throwing that out there. Josh, in the non-existent free time that he has, has decided he's going to make him radio remixes mm-hmm. yeah well we're, we're making a music album Ah, uh-huh, i see by we i mean me yes and um the we have we. we have a band name i don't know that we mentioned it on the podcast you're still referring to yourself as we yes um we have a band name i don't know if i mentioned it on the podcast it's i don't know that i will band if it's just yourself <laughs> or dj okay i'm a dj now all right dj okay <laughs> That's Benny Hanna's son. Is it really? Yeah. No, it is not. The creator of Benny Hanna, Steve Aoki, is his father, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. No, the other way around. Steve Aoki (laughs) is the son of the creator of Benny Hanna's. Strike that, reverse it. (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. This is getting wild. (laughs) Because Steve Aoki does not look that old. (laughs) (laughs) And Benny Hanna's been around a while. So the, the creator... I mean, I know Asians don't and don't age that quickly. I know, he doesn't show it at all. It's amazing. (laughs) I'm kidding. It was the other way around. Uh, Bryson, uh, P.S., I didn't realize getting your money's worth at a buffet is an Asian thing. I just thought it was a smart thing. I only eat the expensive food when I go to a buffet. I can eat rice and salad at home. That is, you, you figured it out. 
that's the the game plan. <laughs> My dad doesn't think a buffet has been worth it until people who own the buffet genuinely regret having a buffet. <laughs> yeah. He will forego everything but like expensive seafood and prime rib. Yes. That's what My eat. brother has actually been kicked out of all you can eat Korean barbecue. That's pretty that's something. <laughs> that's I feel like that's a thing as you get older you're like, ooh, that didn't age well. <laughs> but so we were making fun of my brother on Father's Day. Mm-hmm. About this particular thing. It happened when he was in high school, so he could obviously take a lot lot more food. But then he says, well, Tammy also has been kicked out of an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. And Tammy is my cousin. She's she's beautiful, super thin. Yeah. Like, you would would not kick this girl out of a Korean barbecue. You gotta go. (laughs) She's actually getting married this weekend. This is the Tammy who's ruining field day for me, yes. (laughs) Yeah. With her wonderful nuptials. Okay, thank you so much for that second email, Bryson. You are definitely doing the Asian thing at a buffet. (laughs) (laughs) The Asian commandment of a buffet. Yeah. I mean, some people go to buffets just for variety's sake, right? That's actually one of the reasons I miss buffets. Not because of the copious amount of foods, but because of the wide variety of options in which I can take a spoon of each thing I want to taste. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like... All you can eat tapas. I am not good at buffets. I was good at buffets when I was a kid, but not not now. No, you don't even like them anymore. I don't. You, I don't even think you liked Bacchanal, which is arguably which the Caesar's Palace buffet. That is arguably the pinnacle of buffets. I've never been there. Have yeah. I? Yeah, you have. Oh, okay. I feel like I haven't, but. It was the one that has bone marrow and oh, it has yes. Wagyu beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Keep going. It's, they, okay. You don't need to... You slow yeah. down your whole mm-hmm. speaking pat- mannerisms just to think about that buffet. Like, I literally <laughs> saw that happen. Like, you slowed way down. Got to keep this tight. You got to tighten it up, man. Can't be buffet chat. Fair enough. Gosh. <laughs> A little more... To add from Old Rye Guy out in Denver, this is titled. Leia and Josh, once again, I wish to thank you for the great podcast from last week. It has to be the best yet. It was so good that I went ahead and listened to it again on a long drive. Wow. Yeah, that's... (laughs) I mean... That's high praise for a podcast if you listen to it twice. Uh, Both of you were as happy as it could be and a lot of fun and full of laughter. Are Are we not normally... Josh was especially quite chipper and upbeat. Not sure what he was drinking at the time, but give him more. It was called sleep. (laughs) (laughs) He slept. Alas, field day weekend is upon us. One of the best memories a ham radio operator can have, I believe, is that of their first field day. While I have been a ham for 15 or so years now, I've only participated in one field day, but it was a great one. The club I have been a member of didn't have a lot of younger hams in it at the time. It was mostly folks 70 years old or older, 
which means tons of experience. Right. It also meant we should have probably kept a defibrillator and a few oxygen tanks on hand, too. Did someone die? As some of them were in pretty rough shape, but the fact that they dragged their trailers and campers and whatnot in order to come together like they did showed their true spirit. That's pretty awesome. I was amazed by what I saw. Lots of portable antennas, generators, and tons of great food. No, no chili. Not sure whose bright idea it was to put a chili recipe in that pullout section of the QST magazine for Field Day. Oh, I know. But chili and ham radio do not go together. Yeah. No, not even Skyline chili. (gasps) But it doesn't have beans. That's true, doesn't it? Well, I mean, if you cho- if you opt not to add them, yeah. Right. You can just do a field day version of Skyline where you do not offer a bean topping. You, like, grind up some beano and put it in there? Yeah. That's the field day version <laughs> of it so that you're not, uh, no flatulence on the uh, open mic? Field day is for real food, like burgers and dogs, even uh. those garden <laughs> burgers for healthy nut <laughs> yahoos. Real food. Burgers and dogs. <laughs> Oh, gotcha. Eat right, stay fit, die young anyway. (laughs) Eat crappy, die young and happy, but I suppose you should still try to stay fit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can, I guess moderation is key, right? Chili is for cold, depressing winter nights. So this is interesting because I actually do kind of feel this way towards the summer. I do stop cooking stews. And things that are very hearty, and then everything just gets lighter. So I understand. Chili on a hot night is especially delicious. I will forever be grateful to my first... You meant cold night. Yes, on a Mm -hmm. cold night. Uh, I will forever be grateful to my first field day Elmers, Roger, WB0, THS, and Stan, N0JOQ. They were very patient and kind in explaining things to me, and it was then that I realized that there was so much more to ham radio than just rag-chewing on the local repeaters. Indeed. Field day is arguably the, the best. If you are a technician and you're thinking about getting into HF, or you don't even know what HF is, you don't even know if you like it, mm-hmm. use the AWR website, find a field day location, and just go check it out. Please. Since that time, many of our club members have become silent keys, but we've managed to keep the club going for the most part and have gotten a few more to join up for which I am grateful. We hope to be able to put together a gathering of some sort for field day next year if the circumstances allow. Good. That's great. I'm sorry to hear about your losses. But with the resurgence of popularity in ham radio, I'm hoping your club is picking up a lot of new members. Yeah, get your uh, get your field day on the AWR website. Make sure you're on there so that people can find you. This year, however, our club will be busy providing emergency communications for an annual event that we have helped out for uh, over 30 years now, I am told. Say for a handful of times when the event was canceled due to weather or COVID, which canceled last year's event. The Mm. event is called Mount Evans Ascent, which is America's highest road race. It's a foot race. Mm. Mount Evans is one of Colorado's 14ers, meaning 14,000 plus foot mountains. It happens to be the 14th highest mountain in Colorado. Wow, that's a foot race? And they run up it. 
Colorado is hardcore. Mount Evans provides the highest paved road in America and is only open for a few months out of the year. The event itself is described as, although the air will be noticeably thin at the starting line, Echo Lakes, 10,600 feet of elevation, is just the beginning. The climb totals nearly 4,000 vertical feet. Yikes. The course takes you through montane, subalpine, and alpine environments as you make your way 14.5 miles to the finish line located at the summit of one of the most recognizable peaks on Denver's mountain skyline. 14,264 foot Mount Evans. Yikes. Wow. That's a, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. That is staying fit. Yeah. (laughs) Our club utilizes a portable special events two meter repeater for this event that we haul to the top and we have ham stationed throughout the course to provide communications to race officials as well as the awesome alpine rescue team which is well known and super busy search and rescue team who provides the medical services if any are needed i have to guess that there is help needed yeah and i bet you they got they're all carrying like some kind of bottle of oxygen (laughs) yeah my sister uh she played travel softball since Mm -hmm. she was six yeah and when she first played in colorado she passed out she fainted from the elevation. I believe it, and yeah. she stayed nauseous. Oh yeah, elevation sickness is horrible. Yeah. If you get if you get elevation sickness, it's rough. She went. She basically went to urgent care. Oh yeah, was, I bet. Yeah, mm-hmm. terrifying. So the idea of racing fourteen point five miles is mind blowing to yeah. me. <laughs> with a fourteen thousand with a four four thousand foot gain, right? Yeah. That's like. All all uphill. Yeah. <laughs> all work. Well, obviously due to the altitude. Yeah. Um, Ryan continues that there is no cell phone coverage for the most of the race course. So emergency communications is key. And ham radio plays a huge role in helping keep this intense race running smoothly. Oh, this race is not for the faint of heart. You need to be in excellent physical <laughs> condition to I, do this. I bet. Yeah. And you've got to be just living in that kind of elevation. I'm sure that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You could take somebody really fit at sea level and drag them up there and be like, okay, start running. Yeah. And they'll be gassed. For sure. Yeah. And even then, it has shown that those who are in great shape and can run and win a 30-mile marathon have no chance at a 14-mile race from 10,000 feet up to 14,000 feet. Is an it is an incredible experience to be around these runners, and it can be a humbling experience, too, to see some who cannot make it all the way and have to call it quits after only a few miles. But they make it farther than 99.9% of the population could. There have been an occasional heart attack or other medical emergency over the years, and we can and do get snow in these altitude any mm-hmm. time of the day, even in the middle of July. Yeah, absolutely. Whew. The uh, snow in the summer. Yikes. That happens. That's a real thing. I know. I saw it on TikTok, and I... <laughs> I was I was so perplexed. I was like, "Is this not a? Current, is this a filter? Yeah, is this not a current video? Is this a throwback? What's? You can't be just pulling out winter video and trying to upload it. 
So with all of that said, that is how I will be spending field day this year. Not a bad way of doing it. If I had the right gear, running field day from the top of a 14,000 foot mountain could have its advantages. But because of COVID and restricted numbers of people they were they are allowing onto Mount Evans area this year, it's probably not the right year to try to do it. This year at Mount Evans and other state parks, reservations are required ahead of time if you wish to enter the park. They are only allowing so many people up the mountain at a time. Well, I mean, even at the base at 10,000 feet, you're still going to do pretty good if you set up an antenna. And they said he's only doing two meters. Well, they have a repeater. They yeah, but two there. meters. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he could very well have like a little... Maybe he watches my live stream on Saturday and get or Friday tomorrow. Friday uh, or today, if you're listening to this. Yeah, my live stream is going to be today, Friday. So he, much. He could, he so could much have a he could have that. a clandestine stealth radio that oh. he's hidden and makes so contacts. I, Josh is dropping some hints here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, something one could do. Josh is really getting into the uh, hidden radio. <laughs> Secret radio. <laughs> Secret radio. Oh, I wonder how many uh, podcast listeners actually watched The Last uh, Airbender. Well, that's also a TikTok, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I wanted to share that with both of you and we'll, and what I'll be doing for Field Day this year. And I wanted to wish both of you, as well as the listening audience, a very happy Field Day. I can't wait to hear how it goes for the rest of you. Take Me care. Too. And 73, Ryan, K0CTR. We should Thank do that. You. So next week, when um, when you guys think about sending in an email, or if you haven't before, if this is your first Field Day, I'd like to get your Field Day report in an email. So send it at, to Leia at hamtactical.com. Yes. Uh, a field day debrief. I really want to hear from the first timers, though. Mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be really cool if you're willing to to email that in for us. So thank you. And way to go, Ryan. I, yeah. I mean, literally, your club is saving lives. Yeah. You know, They're putting themselves out there. Yeah. I mean, well done. You're, you're literally, this is the perfect example of why They're Ham appreciably Radio saving lives. Appreciably. <laughs> I, I noticed that I did a video. I dropped a video today and I said appreciably in it, in the video. Oh, man. So anybody who watched shot, that. Shot, 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 shot. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a break from work. <laughs> the next email is titled, A Few Thoughts on Nathan's Question. And this is from Rob. Hi, Leah and Josh. I just heard Nathan's question and thought I would weigh in. Three influential people played major roles in getting amateur radio on the space shuttle. Astronauts Owen Garriott and Mm -hmm. Tony England and public affairs officer Doug Ward. Garriott and England were two of the first licensed ham radio operators in the astronaut office. Garriott was the father of a video game developer, Richard Garriott, well known for his role in creating the Ultima series, (sighs) Shroud of the Avatar and Tabula Rasa games. You got, I was, I was going to do that. (laughs) Did you know uh, I was had that cued and ready to fire off and you beat me to the fun fact uh, thing. In fact, the sons of legendary, Apollo flight controller Steve Bales were more excited that their dad knew Richard Garriott's father than they were (laughs) about anything Bales did in mission control. That is funny. Tony England, W0ORE, became a ham at an early age. As a 10th grader, he listened to the first satellite, Sputnik, 
booping overhead on a ham radio he built. Doug Ward, W9DCQ, who still operates CQ and is a member of the Fist CW Club, played a key role in establishing the ham radio club at Houston's manned spacecraft center, now called Johnson Space Center, JSC, as one of the voices of Apollo. Ward's mission commentary is often heard on the recordings of Apollo flights. Owen Garriott wanted to operate ham radio on his 1973 Skylab mission, but was not able. He fought again to have a two-meter Motorola handheld transceiver aboard his 1983 space shuttle flight, but since the spacecraft was already designed and built without an antenna system, (laughs) he again met resistance. That makes it hard. He came up with the idea of holding a helical... Antenna? Helical. 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 Okay. Helical antenna up to the shuttle window. (laughs) Yes, that's a true ham right there. (laughs) That's the stuff I would do. (laughs) Engineers designed the antenna and it worked well. They tested the radio and antenna to make sure there would be no RF interference with the other systems in the spacecraft. Oh, yeah, because he would just be belting everything in the spacecraft (laughs) with RF. (laughs) The ham radio idea was still attacked. So Doug Ward lobbied with high-ranking NASA officials who liked the idea and put his stamp of approval on it. Mm. More objections surfaced from scientists who fought for their experiments to be performed on Garriott's flights. Garriott solved that issue by doing ham radio during his personal time only. He made random contacts calling CQ as he orbited over land. (laughs) So cool. He also made scheduled contacts with the ham club in his hometown and also with his mom and King Hussein of Jordan, who was an avid ham. That is a a QSL card that people have that's pretty cool. King Hussein of Jordan, yeah. I actually did a TikTok about notable hams. And he is one of them, yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason I know that. Uh, Mission Control... I'm uh, I'm picking up a lot of RFI on my radio. I'm gonna shut off the main breaker to the space shuttle if uh going going dark for about 15 minutes for me to log some contacts. All right, sorry, mission control. So, sorry, mission control. I'll, we'll be back. The internet's out, Dad. <laughs> it was a public relations. Hit. Oh, of course. NASA and the astronauts got behind it, and it was much easier going forward. Tony England flew in 1985, and two other crew members earned their ham license before the flight. They invented the name SAREX, Shuttle Amateur Radio Experiment. The JSC Radio Club in Houston scheduled contacts with groups of students all around the world for educational purposes. It was also a PR success. SAREX became a long-running educational program sponsored by the ARRL, NASA, and the Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation, AMSAT. Yep. Awesome. England's flight was the first mission to receive an amateur radio slow-scan TV image. That's the topic of today's show. (laughs) Until then, the shuttle only received voice and teletype messages. Through amateur radio, NASA realized the importance of being able to send and receive images as well. The photo on the recent ARRL advertisement for their SSTV event is of England's shuttle launch in 1985. 
Regarding the International Space Station, when the ISS was being designed, Doug Ward met with an ISS program manager who liked the idea of amateur radio on the space station and built it into the initial design. They placed an external antenna on one of the modules, and it has been a hit ever since. Absolutely, it has. But the story will not be complete until Leia makes contact with the ISS. Yes, Rob, thank you. Yes, well, we're going to be talking about the ISS today. Rob signs off 73, Rob in Corpus Christi, KI5JFL. Thank you, or Rob. GFL. Great. Oh my gosh, Rob, I'm so sorry. KI5GFL. Good, good, thank good you. you caught that. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done, Rob. Good little history story there. Yeah, thank you. I I love learning things from emails. That is <laughs> that is so exciting. It's like Google that me. you didn't even have to ask for. <laughs> it's like it's like hitting I feel lucky every day. Yeah. <laughs> I think, is that button gone now? The I, I feel lucky button? I don't know. Uh, did people use it? You know what it was, right? It was just a random... No. You typed in the thing you were looking for, and then you said, I feel lucky, and it just gave you the first hit. It just whatever the first top rank was, that's what it gave you. Oh, it mu- they must have replaced it, because now they just do a little blur. No, I'm feeling lucky, still there. there. I, I, so, I never go to Google.com. Who does that, right? No, only sociopaths do that, right? I, I do. <laughs> You go to Google.com, you load the website, and then you go sometimes. into the bar and sometimes. type in your query, and then sometimes. do you actually mouse over see. Google search with your mouse and then click, or do you hit enter? I hit enter, but okay. I, sometimes I go to see the doodle. You, I like the Google doodles. I am that what? target demographic. Man. <laughs> You're really learning some things about me, Josh. That I didn't want to know that. <laughs> That is so hurtful. (laughs) Man, I feel the same. (laughs) Just because I appreciate digital art and the the whimsy that Google engineers can bring to your day. The whimsy of this multinational company. (laughs) Force feeding me their brand through art that I have a personal connection to. I do love Google very much. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Jeez. They got me. I'm in the web. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the web. I'm in their tangled web. Okay. The next email is titled, Get the Sensation. Mm. And this is from Greg. To go camping. But I thought you'd want to see the box that my wife says is the most important. It is a picture of many snacks. There's some Hershey's bars, oatmeal cream pies. And right on top... A family-sized pack of York peppermint patties. <laughs> nah, dog. You should. <laughs> that that actually sounds like a great candy, right? Because sometimes you don't just feel so fresh when you go camping, so you can just what? pop a peppermint patty and feel fresh. It's like a, a more delicious Altoid. Okay, you know. Yeah, there's a joke in there that I'm not going to hit. I'm just going to okay. You just keep going. (laughs) Sean had some great ideas on getting the vast amount of ham information together. But what I think Sean did was really set the record for the longest email to you guys. Good job, Sean. (laughs) I really don't think that any listeners can beat that email. How's that for a challenge? (laughs) Uh, No. (laughs) I also watched the GoBox stream. Did you make that IKEA hat? Pretty cool. Do you have links to a pattern? I didn't. You can he buy it at Ikea at six bucks. You can buy it from Ikea? Straight up, six bucks. They're back in stock. 
Wait, that's sold by Ikea, not yeah, some six bucks. random maker? Nope, six bucks. Wow. Yeah, it's legit. <laughs> so are they made out of used bags? I don't think they're used. They're like... You're putting a used Ikea bag on your head? Why would I do that? Is that... We know the used it looks bags actually crinkly. you're it showing looks, you're yeah. showing your lack of IKEA knowledge. The used <laughs> bags are the yellow bags. What? The blue bags are the ones that are for buying and taking out of the store. Oh, that's true. Ah, yeah. So IKEA bags are also big in Hawaii because they don't have an IKEA. No, Leah. IKEA bags are just big. No. <laughs> I mean they're very popular in Hawaii. I don't think they're any bigger in Hawaii. Land. If you wanna if you wanna make a Hawaiian person's day, I was told, you bring them IKEA bags from the mainland. The smartest people in the country, apparently. <laughs> I put our children in the IKEA bags who carried them. You did? Like one of them fell asleep and I was just like, IKEA bag. What what? <laughs> I think it was at the beach or something. I don't I don't you remember. You put him in an IKEA with with towels? Is yeah. That- Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, like, he went on the bottom, and then everything went on top of him, and I carried him back to the car. That bag is a lot of utility. It can hold a lot of things. The baby on the bottom. Yeah. Though, is what you're I mean, he, was, he wasn't a baby. That would be, I'd be a monster if I did that to a, a newborn. <laughs> he was like one or two or something. I don't know. Oh you know, I took the marshmallow sticks that we, you know, the reusable uh-huh. ones, just throw those right in the bag with them and oh. just carry them back to the car. No. I, I did not My do that. My poor babies. I did not. Well, I did carry the child. I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. But I didn't put anything on top of them. Okay. But you laid down some towels first to cushion Why? It's it. a hammock. It's okay. a hammock. Right. Okay. So, well. Come on. We have different ideas of comfort. <laughs> and <laughs> Greg continues, and I think that Josh needs to set Ben up for a YouTube channel. He obviously likes being on camera. He does. Ben wants his own YouTube he channel does. so badly. And what I have told Ben repeatedly is he's not going to be some random YouTuber. If he's going to create a YouTube channel, the YouTube channel, he needs to master something mm-hmm. and then teach it to people. That is the only way I would ever allow him to do a YouTube channel. That and he has to edit his own videos. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he has made, he, he's done stop motion videos. He has, yeah. He's uh, he's actually done Lego demos for things that he's created. He created a Lego fidget spinner. He and did. he did a whole video on that. And uh, I went in and I edited it. And I was like, I spent more time editing this video than That's... it took you to make it. Wow, you yeah. sound like a YouTuber. Yeah. <laughs> You guys already sound like crotchy yeah. YouTubers. <laughs> I mean, I I have also made YouTube videos. I'm not I'm not unfamiliar with the okay. video editing. Okay. I mean, I'm not like you. I Obviously, mean, I decided not Leah, to do your, that. Your your videos they're cute. Wow. They're, they're cute. Okay. I'm, I'm right. kidding. I'm kidding. Well, let's course, go you see did. how many you, you, views no, my video for, has against, let's see, for my a view long, ratio. a long time, your videos brought in a lot of views. They're seasonal. It was a Christmas ornament. Uh, yeah, there was, a, there was a couple. And you got a lot of views. And it yeah. always spiked at Christmas. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. And then I would get like, actually, there were there were like a couple of years there where it got so many views. And it was before YouTube changed their partner program. Yep. So you didn't have to regularly post videos, right? And I would... It was like a little Christmas bonus. I, I, I would get money suddenly from Google. And I was like, where did this come from? <laughs> it was really Christmas funny. Christmas bonus for my dedication to Google. That's why you like Google so much. Yeah. <laughs> Random ka <ka-ching. laughs> 
But then they change their partner program and they no longer pay me for those. I, I don't know why you guys hate Google so much. Do you, do you not get the checks every Christmas? <laughs> they pay you based on your searches, right? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I searched a lot this year. <laughs> okay. So uh, Greg continues, 73 for now, and I've gone camping where there's no cell coverage. Going to try activating the Monogahela? Monogahela? <laughs> you nailed it, I'm sure. National Forest, K-0632. And that's from Greg, N3GDS. I hope you have a great time camping, Greg, with your family. Indeed. And those Yorks, I hope they, they hit different. Those Yorks. Yeah, I hope they hit different when you're camping. Because you hit got that, better. you got that unfresh feeling. <laughs> I'm, saying, <laughs> I'm saying after a day of camping, you feel really dirty. And if you happen to be camping somewhere that doesn't have showers or you don't have the ability to shower. I mean, that is, that is camping. I mean, that's like, that is the thing. I just really love that first shower when you go camping, because you come out and you're still camping, but you're clean. (laughs) Yeah, that is a thing. That is a that is a real thing. It's so it's like the best shower, (laughs) and it it, it only costs you like two dollars and quarters. And just like messing around with the temperature, and the nozzles half broken. But it's the most rewarding thing ever. It's, it's really roughing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. For you, that's that's rough. Like, these walls are cinder block. Could they have not, like, put a finish on it or something? Do you remember when we first had to shower one of the kids when we took them camping? It was Ben. Mm-hmm. And we were at Lake Kachuma um, out near Solvang. Yeah. And Ben had a very nice bath routine. Yes. And then suddenly he was in a camp shower. <laughs> he was not happy. No. <laughs> oh, more like me than I thought. <laughs> the next email is titled Severe Weather Indicators, and this is from... The Weather Rock. Todd. That's weird. The The name on the email doesn't match the sign on okay. the email. So I'm going to go with the sign on the email. I'm in the middle of last week's podcast. Normally, while I listen, I usually think about everything I want to email you about. But by the time I'm finished, and then I never email, this time is different. I'm mid-pod and emailing. Anyway, a good indicator that a tornado is coming is when a cow is flying across the road in front of you. (laughs) Mm, As seen in the movie Twister. In a little more serious note, I've been listening to a podcast called Warriors in Their Own Wards. On one episode, there was an interview with a World War II forward observer. Oh, wow. He was surrounded for many days. What is a forward observer? They're like ahead of the front lines. They're like advanced recon. Okay. Usually putting themselves in very dangerous positions. He was surrounded for many days, and his radio was his only lifeline. They used it to call in artillery strikes yeah. anytime the Germans started advancing. He talked about how they would turn 
it on to call a fire mission and then turn it off as soon it was as it was over to conserve battery power. He also stated that towards the end of his ordeal, the battery power was so low that he could only transmit and not receive. My feeble mind is trying to wrap my head around this. I keep thinking that transmitting always uses more power. Can you shine any light on this? Did the speakers use more power or something? Sorry, I don't have the make and model of the radio he used. Any thoughts on the matter are appreciated. Keep doing what you all do. I, I have no idea. I'll just throw this out there. Most of the old radios and probably the radio he was using um, either had a switch between the receiver and the transmitter. So you'd have to turn off the receiver to transmit. Some radios had a cable that would disconnect the oh, transmitter from the receiver. Okay. So the circuitry was totally different on the transmit side. And it was all tube type stuff back then. Okay. So vacuum tubes, maybe his receiver just had a much more appreciable draw. Um, I don't know. I'm drinking because you said appreciable. I did. <laughs> I did say appreciable. Uh, it's possible, too, that he just never put it in the receiver and just always left it in the transmitter because at the end of the day, that was the most important information coming out was him calling for a fire uh, or an artillery strike. Okay. Well, that's, that is just my total guess. Okay. Yeah. It's a good one. I, I don't know if it's a yeah, good it's one. Yeah, shot right in the dark. I don't know if you know <laughs> that it's a good one. <laughs> I for sure don't. <laughs> but, but thank you. I appreciate yes. it. Uh, Todd signs off 7,388. P.S. Do you see what I did there? 73 and 88? Mm -hmm. I know it's not funny if I have to explain it. That's right. <laughs> Todd, K-O-4-W-T-F. Thank you, Todd. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. The next email is titled Corgi G90. And this is from Ron. Approved. Good day, ham radio royalty. Oh, man, that's uh, that's way too big of a title. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> In last week's episode, we heard Josh describe if I had to do it all again. Mm-hmm. When his suggestion on the G90 came up, I had to chime in. This is my first HF radio, and this little 20-watt wonder is amazing. I'm using a 73-foot EFHW. And fed half-wave. Chameleon MCOM 3 portable antenna. Cool. And BioNO power. Cool. With this combination, I had a QSO last Saturday with New Delhi, India. 7,960 miles from my fantastic. QTH. Nicely done, sir. Right, you're, you're like, yes. That's awesome. That's, that's, I mean, on 20 watts. It's great. Great job. Just sharing some firsthand field reporting for those that may be interested. One day I'll get a quote unquote real radio for the haters. But meanwhile, I'm enjoying this little beast. 73, and thanks for such a great podcast. I live in Huntsville, Alabama, so hope to get to meet you in August. All right, cool. And that's from Ron, a K-O-4-L-Y-X. Yeah, there's going to be lots of opportunities to hang out with us two guys. So when we're on the show floor, absolutely come up and say hi. But I'm, I guarantee a lot of us will be making videos when we're on the show floor, for sure. I mean, a lot of mm -hmm. us have press passes, but that, that doesn't mean much when you're on the show floor and it's open. Right. But we have multiple evening events planned right. already. So we can hang out and talk shop at the evening events. Definitely come up and hang out with us. Follow us around as we're doing whatever. Absolutely. Um, but th there's going to be a lot of like content creation. You're going to see the sausage get made. 
Uh, just keep that in mind. I thought the sausage was made in the editing room. Mm, I mean, you gotta have a you gotta have a dead animal to make the sausage. So I guess we're just slaughtering. We're gonna slaughter some animals <coughs> on the Huntsville floor. I, oh that no! That analogy didn't work out. This email says, "Please read this first. Disregard the response." I said last night, Ryan, I already read it. I'm so sorry. To add to our rule of make sure you say at the beginning of the email, don't read this part on the podcast. If you, it, it doesn't really work to send a reply after the first one because Leia is just going in linear order, right? So what you're going to have to do for those individuals is you're going to have to develop a time machine. Yes. <laughs> um, that's the first thing you're going to have to do. Go back in time. Stop yourself from making that first email. And then, you know, send the appropriate one. Well, I, uh, I'm i so sorry. <laughs> but, the uh, Ryan, your email was great. Yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah. I don't know why. Um, he wanted to redo the response to make it easier to understand and flow better. But I think it was that's completely fine. understandable. Uh is there any new information in the second email? Yeah, well, he says he's going to respond with a better reply. So, well, I guess we'll see. That oh, like not, further down, right? Because yeah. time has uh, time right. has elapsed. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll keep out for that follow-up email, Ryan. That's like uh, when you're in the news floor and you're like, uh, nothing's happened yet. The bank robbers are still <laughs> holed up in the bank. Uh, back to you in the studio. <laughs> oh, sorry see, about uh, that, we'll, we'll cut back to you if the uh, if the action kicks yeah. up <laughs> the next email is uh titled wait questions. for three replies before reading the email yeah. <laughs> it's the title of this. Uh, questions for the savant of all things ham i'm not thank that. you oh thank yeah. you so much you're, you're, that's you that's you you nailed <laughs> it that's that's you <laughs> This is from Robert. Greetings, Leia. Oh, it's actually... It is. <laughs> yes. I hope all is well with you, Josh, Ben, and Edison. It is. Thank you so much. Yes. As you know, starting out in ham radio can be quite confusing and sometimes overwhelming. One might even say it's a tough row to hoe. <laughs> Thank you both for the assistance, guidance, and explanations you eagerly provide. Today's question involves purchasing my first HF rig and portable antennas. The latter choice is due to a highly restrictive HOA and super small lot size. I'm sorry. Your videos have been extremely helpful in coming up with a possible solution, and I only have a few items I wish to run by you. How would an ICOM 7300 pair with either a Chameleon Antenna F-Loop 2.0 Total Kit or a Wolf River Coil Silver Bullet 1000 Take-Along Kit? I was not sure how the 7300 would compare slash perform relative to a Shagu G90 or ICOM 705. Okay. There's more questions, Okay, but we'll start with that one. Okay. 7300 is going to put out 100 watts of power. You can't put 100 watts of power through a Chameleon F-Loop. It does have a better footprint than any of the other, than the Chameleon, uh, the uh, uh, Wolf River. But you have to keep in mind, you can't put the full 100 watts down on the loop. Also, 
you can't well you can now with the wolf rivers that are out there you just have to get the um the extreme wolf river uh, that will take 100 watts on digital mode it'll show it'll it'll handle 100 watts a single sideband no problem but the um, digital modes on the standard Wolf River take it along 1,000. There are some people who had actually started to melt on them, and it would, like, get oh my sad. Gosh. It would, like, kind of fold over a little bit. So you can't really do 100 watts. Why do you say get sad and not, like, get limp? Is that not a word that men like to use? That's right. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, they're both great antennas. You just have to put the appreciable amount of power. I see it appreciable oh. again. Uh, into I the, drink. Uh, into the antenna. <laughs> Make sure you do that correctly. If you if you want to do 100 watts, Chameleon has the MPAS 2.0. They have the Delta Loop, which I've been having a blast with the Delta Loop. That's a really cool antenna. It receives really, really well. Really nice antenna. Uh, okay, can go ahead. Keep going. I think we got... Oh, Rob- he mentioned 705. Yeah, QRP. You can do QRP on either one of those uh, antennas. I noted you used a Rig Expert AA170 in your video on the Chameleon Wire Loop. Yes. My internet searches referenced an upgraded model, ZRE230 Zoom. Would you recommend this model or have other suggestions? Yes. The Zoom Rig Experts are fantastic. They are a total upgrade over the one I have. The one I have, I believe, is five, four or five years old now. So, yes, I totally recommend the entire Zoom line. And... They have, they have uh, newer ones and upgraded ones that are way more expensive. You only need to worry about those expensive ones if you want to go to 70 centimeters and higher in frequency. HF bands, you can just go with the cheap, uh, like the 35, the A35 or something like that. Zoom, though, make sure you get the Zoom models because those, those are improved. Okay. The ground radials on the Wolf, Wolf River setup are 33 feet. Yes. Space in my yard is limited. Will there be deterioration in performance if I am unable to extend out all 33 feet? Can they be laid out in other than a straight line? Uh, Will it be degraded? Yes. Can you lay it out in other than a straight line? Absolutely. You can do zigzags. You can go straight out and then make a right angle and go to the left. You know, you can do all kinds of stuff. I've routed those radials all over the place, crazy style, and it, it it will affect it, but who cares? Okay. What coax would you recommend for a feed line for the Wolf River setup? Heat, humidity, and sun are all issues here in Central Florida. I am thinking 25 feet would be about the right length, and cost is not much of a consideration. Okay, so it, a couple of things come to mind. He's not going to set this up permanently, is my okay. guess, because he yeah. said HOA. Right. So... um RG8U, RG8X is probably fine at 25 feet. That's not a big deal. You know, I was on QRZ. Mm-hmm. And oh, I I'm sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like QRZ, actually. I, most of everybody yeah. on QRZ is great. Um, and that's a change in tune from before I was a ham on QRZ. Uh, yeah, I've noticed yeah. it's calmed down a little bit. Uh, I think it might be mods kind of nerfing people, too. Maybe. And one of the uh, the videos that was posted on the QRZ front page was about some coax mm-hmm. that was, I guess, very outrageously expensive. And all the comments were so upset at how expensive the coax was. And I don't even remember what the coaxer know. video was, but 
I, I want to say somebody said something about it being like $130 for like so many feet. Well, if you don't tell me how many feet, then right. I have no frame of reference. What what is the a good price for coax? Like what for a it, solid it coax for It depends on who makes it. It depends on the coax type. Okay. This is actually uh this could be its own live stream. In fact, it's one of the patron picks uh, options oh, is right. which coax should you run depending on which type of radio what frequencies you want to operate on the general rule is if you if you want to be serious about like vhf uhf you want to go with something that's very low lossy or low loss lmr 400 is fantastic for that just kind of a benchmark really good really good um coax as you start going to the lower frequencies you're less affected by the losses that come into play when you go with the higher frequency stuff so if you keep the runs relatively short rg8x is fine the advantage of RG8X over LMR400 is it's much easier to coil it, fold it up, put it on, you know, and, and put it away. LMR400 is some thick stuff. Um, what's the other one that's like really, really good, but you don't want it for long runs? Is Are you asking me? No, I'm, I'm asking oh. myself. <laughs> Seems like an odd question What for is it, me. 213? I'll have to... Uh, 316. So there's a there's a couple of people that sell 316 coax that's available on like eBay. You have to go get connectors for that and crimpers and stuff. You have to make up your own cables. That's more of something you might do if you're like running a poda or a, sorry a soda and it's a relatively short run, like 15 feet or something like that. 25 feet though, I don't really have a big problem with you doing RG8X or RG8U. I believe is the other one that is lower losses than RG8X. Okay. Are coax connectors all generic, or are there specific manufacturers and types I should look for? Uh, they're not all the same. That is a good question, although I don't have enough experience with multiple connectors to be able to give you a true, like, you know, I stress tested these connectors for so many months, dot, dot, dot. I have not done anything like that. I go to HRO and I say, I need PL259s, and they go, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just say what type of coax I have, which generally in my home, I'm running LMR 400. But that's a permanent antenna. It's way overkill. Oh, not way overkill, but it's overkill. Um, so those are the connectors I use. Whatever HRO has. There's your answer. Go to HRO. Go, <laughs> go to any one of the major um, retailers, and, and they're going to have all decent connectors. They're not going to put you on a bad connector. Okay. In the most recent podcast, you mentioned an Anderson crimper tool. Yes. Any suggestions for a wire stripper tool? Ooh, wire stripping is a highly personable thing. It it's personable. Per, personal. Personal. <laughs> personal. Everybody has a, like a people specific, really like you when you're wire stripping. Yeah, they really like you. You sit out in the front and like I'm just stripping wires. Like that's a wholesome. Like, that's a wholesome uh, person. I really like you now. That's I really I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I like you so much. It's very odd. Uh, yeah, there's a ton of different ways to 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 take the insulation off of. He said, "Wait, what did he say? Wire stripper. Wire stripper. Okay. <laughs> I don't recommend those like all-in-one plier crimper stripper things because usually the the blades on those things are awful. I have fallen into the the trap of just using my diagonal cutters that I use for kits. They're tiny little snippers. I use those to strip all the wires. I've gotten used to doing that. That's what I do." A lot of people like to use uh, electron, electrician scissors. Electrician scissors are fantastic. 
totally recommend that. If I'm doing some heavier gauge stuff, I'm generally carrying the electrician scissors. There are, they're called auto strippers, where you kind of like, they're, they're like a spring-loaded wrench body. Where you grip it and you squeeze and it, it will strip. It's adjustable in how much of the insulation it will pull off. There are two kinds that, that are available. There's a kind that when you squeeze them, they, they open up like a, like a wrench would, mm-hmm. like a reverse wrench. The other one is you squeeze it, and there's like a little alligator head that squeezes onto the wire and pulls. Mm-hmm. I prefer the alligator head that you can pull, that, that pulls the, the piece, the insulation off. And I'll explain why. The, the ones that split in the middle, they work fine. And you can often get them in multiple gauge sizes. They'll, they'll do all kinds of uh, cool stuff for you, and they'll work great. My dad swears by them. He's, he has one that he bought like 30-something years ago, and it's still going strong. It's all metal. It's a beast. It's awesome. Why I like the little gator ones, though, is if you're doing an install on like a car, and you run a wire and you forget that, oh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't take, I didn't strip it. Or you don't want to strip it because you're going to be fishing the line somewhere. Sometimes those, the arms of doing it, they get in the way. They need a lot of like play, a lot of motion to be able to effectively strip the wire. So I go with the little gator head ones more generally. Okay. I've used those before. I like those. There's always a guy at like one of the ham facets that's selling strippers. Okay. Wire strippers. Last question. Would a multimeter be a wise item to have to check installation? Yes. If yes, any recommendations? Uh, the I one actually, at Harbor Freight. I Didn't I just buy you, you a You did. Multi- so the Father's Day gift that didn't come was a multi-tool, uh, sorry, multimeter. And I, it was a fluke. Okay, this is actually really upsetting because yes. it not only ended up delayed with Amazon... It was supposed to get here before Father's Day. Mm-hmm. It ended up getting completely canceled. Yeah. But it ended up being a good thing. It was kind of a happy accident because, um, so I, I have a personal, you know, wish list that people bug me. That's like, you know, what do you want for Christmas, birthdays, whatever. And so I just throw a bunch of stuff on there. And I threw mm-hmm. like a, a cheap fluke multimeter on there. Leia went off and buy it, bought it. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. The reason I put the fluke on there, though, is that for the longest time, the EEV blog multimeter the mm-hmm. YouTuber, yeah. he has a multimeter. His multimeters have been out of stock for months. I oh. I was going to buy one. Mm-hmm. And I just got tired of waiting. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just throw the fluke on there and be done with it. And we were driving home from Big Bear. or so, I think it was driving home from Big Bear. Yes. And uh, you were like, yeah, so this, this multimeter. Or you told me, oh, I bought you the multimeter for Father's Day. Sorry it didn't come. And I was like, oh, it's okay. And she's like, and, and you said, I'm going to buy it right now. Because I could, it. yeah. And I'm like, uh, uh, you could, but see if you can get the EEV blog one. And it just so happens they're back in stock, so that's the one I bought. Or you bought for me. Yes. For Father's Day. Yes, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. But at the same time, <laughs> if you're saving up money, go get that one at Harbor Freight. And I would argue you should still have the one at Harbor Freight. Throw that in your, your field day bag. Right. Take that into the field. Go destroy that thing. <clears throat> That's what, that's what. Wait, so, what do people do on field day that's destroying multimeters? I don't know. Somebody steps on something, rolls a car over it, wow. drops an antenna on it. I don't know. What's happening at field, field day? Field days. People getting turned. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, but I mean like a field day go bag will be like your multimeter, your antenna analyzer, your coax crimpers, your coax stripper, tons of, tons of different stuff. 
lots of there's all kinds of tools you should have on you if you're going into the field for field day. All right. Well, Rob signs off. As always, thank you very much for your assistance. I hope you both have a sparkling day. <gasps> 73. That is fantastic. KA7 WDW. WDW. That's funny because I used to work at Disneyland when I was a wee lass. Mm-hmm. And I would always say, have a magical day. I was deep in the Disney spirit. Yeah, you were. Right. <laughs> I really commit. When I, <laughs> I really drink that uh, flavor aid. Yeah. <laughs> and now, from what I understand, when a cast member tells you, have a magical day, it means shut the F up and get away from me, Karen. <laughs> wow. How things have changed. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if that's what it meant back then, but I never meant it that way. <laughs> okay. I just uh, want to go on record here. Uh, 15 years ago, I didn't mean that. that yes. <laughs> the next email is titled Pins, and this is from Mike. Uh, this is actually, a, uh, Mike sent me this uh, link for Pins because he keeps getting an ad on Facebook for Pins. Mm. So he wants HRCC Pins. But when I go to the link, it takes me to a Holder and I family video. <laughs> so I don't know if there's something wrong with the link. Maybe he wants you to make pins for them. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something wrong with the link. Yes. Yeah. Mike says, I'm still catching up on the podcast. It's very fun and a very long listen. Yes, <laughs> I appreciate that, Mike. W-X-0-M-I-K. And Mike is with the A-double-R-L and Glarg V-E. And he's cool. also got a website, so I will drop that in the show notes. Yeah, Thank and, you and so maybe much hit us up him. with the, the link. Maybe we got the link wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the next email I mean, is, the video is great, though. Yeah, I love the Holder and I family, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but... <laughs> you know. So for a long time, I did not spend a, a lot of time watching internet videos mm-hmm. tiktok changed that significantly yes. josh was always on the cutting edge of hilarious videos and he would show me and he's like have you seen this and i haven't and i would watch it and i'd be really excited yeah and because of tiktok now well <laughs> you still like, have have you seen this yeah i i saw that a month ago guys <laughs> so there's the thing that happened is all the funny stuff gets really made on tiktok and then yes. people just post it after the fact and yeah. aggregate it on instagram exactly so if you want like the cutting edge funny stuff you got to be on tiktok yeah with that said they are very short funny stuff videos they're not like the super funny videos on youtube that's, that's a true. different thing that's true it's a different genre but you know of, it, of it killed my attention span so it did. yeah i i can't watch anything past like, like a goldfish now three minutes <laughs> that is when i get to a three minute video i'm like man this is really taking a long time to get to the point <laughs> i'm basically dead <laughs> as we record this very long podcast i know right <laughs> My attention span is really short, but hey, check out, listen to my three-hour podcast. <laughs> the next email is titled, A Couple of quench- Questions. <laughs> questions. <laughs> your thirst will be relieved. <laughs> and your answer will be provided. That need answering on the podcast, and this is from Nathan. Okay. 
Hello, Doctor of Ham Radio and his companion, Leia. Whoa. I do like that because generally I do like the companions more than I like the doctors. The doctors are just like going off all like crazy, half cocked, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the companions are like, what a doctor. (laughs) Doctor. He's already dead. (laughs) No, like Doctor Who. Inappropriate. Doctor Who. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it's, okay. you know, the companions are the voice of reason. Oh, I thought you were talking about, like, Doctor House. No. <laughs> Nobody calls him Doctor House either. <laughs> they just call him House. <laughs> okay. I know this is earlier than my usual email, but I wanted Josh more awake, focused, and ready to answer a question I had. I was wondering if you happen to know the history of him. Radio satellites, uh, ham radio on the space shuttles. Wait, this was already kind of answered. I didn't even have to do anything, <laughs> and we precogged it. We answered his email before he even got to ask it. This email is from this week. That is magical. <laughs> also, I want. Uh, I saw that the ISS is running SSTV for a bit from June 21st to 26th. When did that become a thing on the space shuttle or ISS? <laughs> Thanks for any information you can impart to yeah, get this more is history like, into our lives. Talk to you later. Have you ever seen somebody play volleyball K-1. and they just spike <laughs> the ball in their own face <laughs> and give the team a point? I'm kidding. So yes. what's what's interesting about this is this, this, is, I, is, this is so many slam, slam dunks. We're setting up all the dominoes and we're just knocking them all down. <laughs> this is going to and the, the topic is is about arguably the SSS or the ISS. Arguably, that email about the history did not come from you. <laughs> Different Nathan. Yeah. That was not Nathan that sent that. Right. It was in response to Nathan's question, though. Yes. How did that happen? I, it's very confusing. I, 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 from a previous episode, I'm assuming. Well, okay. By the way, uh, amateur radio satellites started out from Sputnik. Sputnik was the first satellite, and it was just blasting out Morse code. That's what it did. Wow. Yep. All right. Well, Nathan signs off. K1MAZ. Nathan in Vermont. Well, Nathan. But it's okay. Answer provided. Because Nathan emails again. Yeah. <laughs> Does he? Yes. Like right after? No. Okay. Because there's a competition still. Oh, you're the last assuming. Email. You're assuming. Yeah. Well, we're almost to the end. There's oh, only okay. three more emails. Okay. The next email. Well, you know what, Nathan? I I hope those ISS questions were answered between. <laughs> I hope you were paying attention before your question got asked. Eleven uh, meter cycling coach from Drew is the next email. Okay. Leah and Josh, I am still really enjoying the podcast. Thank you. Have taken Josh's advice regarding his videos and got an iPad Pro to carry around and watch videos on YouTube, telling my wife it was necessary for my licensing studies. Yes. I think she took it okay because she didn't yell at me or anything. In fact, she hasn't looked at me or talked to me since. (laughs) Nice. I'm I'm joking. I already had the iPad. Okay. Anyhow, I wanted to talk about training wheels. I don't have a leg to stand on other than my opinion and having taught both of my children to ride bikes. 
And the fact that mountain biking is my drug of choice and my full-time occupation is building trails, hiking, mountain biking, and equestrian trails. So if, I, so if I could have a little latitude on this subject, bear with me. I'm sorry. I appreciate you <laughs> like bikes, but I really want to – you're an expert in trails. So just – Stay in your lane. <laughs> training wheels are of the devil. Yes. No child should ever be presented with a bike that has training wheels. I, I agree. In countries where cycling is taken seriously, children are given kick bikes, bikes yep. that do not even have cranks and pedals. Kick bikes is the generic term for what we were calling striders. Ah, yeah, yeah. I see. Did they simply t- sit on the seat and push the bike with their feet. We talked about the striders already, didn't we? Was that last episode or this episode? I don't even I'm know anymore. This the split recording, I think, may not be the best idea. <laughs> I'm stuck in a time paradox. I am the doctor. <laughs> My son struggled to figure out how to ride a bike until he was big enough that he had outgrown the largest bike readily available with training wheels. And I told him if he learned, I would buy him a larger bike without training wheels. But he couldn't sort it out, and it has become dangerous. Training wheels are simply only designed to help guide in a subtle way, but end up supporting the weight of the rider and can flex or break, allowing the rider to fall over. Yep. So what are you to do? I took the cranks off my son's bike and got my chain tool and split the chain and took it off and removed the training wheels. That's not a bad idea. We have a small hill in the yard and he pushed down and then coasted (laughs) down the hill a few times, picking his feet up. After about three passes, he realized he could balance the bike without training wheels. I tried to encourage him to learn turning while the bike was like this, but he wasn't having it. So I put the cranks and the chain back, and he did fine until the first turn. (laughs) Oh, no. After three or four turns, he had that too. So my suggestion, lose the training wheels, and until they learn to balance, take the cranks off and get the seats low enough so they can push themselves around. This is a great idea with one potential issue. Hmm. Our children's bikes and most children's bikes use coaster brakes. Coaster brakes are brakes where they push backwards on the pedal, right. and that's the how it slows them down. Mm-hmm. If you take off the bottom bracket, which is the the gear mechanism, the pedals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom bracket holds the pedals on that connects to the the rear cassette or whatever it's running or the sprocket. If you take that off, there is no more coaster brake, <laughs> so they'd have to stop with their feet. So pushing them downhill. Well, you'd have to do that with any Strider bike. Well, there's a handbrake on the Strider bike. Oh. It's a handbrake. Most bikes have handbrakes once you get a little bit older. Well, the inertia eventually wears off. <laughs> you know. This is the most... Uh, that's we a stance any, I did not expect for you to take. We don't have any hills around us anyway, aside so, yeah, from the flat, reservoir, if which is... If it's flat, it's fine. Yeah. But a, a proper hill, they might start generating too much speed, but I don't know. That's just me. All right. Now, about soda streams, I really like ginger ale, but only the good stuff. It's actually hard to find and expensive. So I started to trying to find a way to make it. I think if I, I found a reasonable recipe and order the soda stream, I'll let you know how it goes. I also took your advice about coupon stacking and got the hydration package, three one liter bottles and 2.5 liter bottles plus the device. Uh, for less than $90 using a Father's Day sale and coupon. 
I'm going to tuck this $40 I saved into the first radio fund over here. That is a really good deal yeah, on a soda a stream with that many bottles. Because actually, the, the soda bottles stream are bottles are expensive. Yeah, exactly. So well done, Drew. I don't know how well a ginger ale is going to come out of a soda stream. You're not going to be able to you like... add the ginger flavoring after because you're not actually supposed to carbonate. No, that's what I'm saying. If you wanted to make a decent ginger ale with a, a soda stream, it feels like you would take the ginger, grate it up fine, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, with sugar or something. Yeah. And then add the soda water to it. Maybe Man, strain I it. I do love ginger ale. No, I do too. Yeah. I, I think you could do that. I'm just curious how it would turn out. So I'm curious if you do end up making a good one, let us know what the recipe is. Yeah, because then we could make Moscow mules. That's ginger beer. Well, who cares, man? Okay. Just gingery deliciousness. Ginger what? beer usually implies there's some kind of... Fermentation yeah, process? Yeah. Mm, I could ferment the ginger first if you want. <laughs> Before I juice it. <laughs> uh, juicing it might be the way to go, too, because you get rid of the pulp. Ooh, I could, I could do this. I yeah. have this juicer. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have a juicer that would handle this. Drew continues, or I might spend it on a power uh, Anderson power pole stuff. Josh rabbit hole. I've got a bunch of wires for stuff coming off my tw- uh, my twelve volt power supply on my desk for meters testing mobiles. My base station. <laughs> I thought, wow, that seems like it might be a good idea to standardize how those connection work. Yes. So I've spent several hours this week studying distribution panels and crimpers. I can't decide if this is interfering with my hamstudy.org time or not. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, look, I feel is. like I've done my part to unsure things for this week and look forward to laughing and learning along to the podcast as I mow my yard or run my excavator through the woods, building more trails. <laughs> Thanks again for the podcast. 73, Drew, 11 meter correspondent, a.k.a. Trailhound. Right on. Thank you so much, Drew. And really, send me that recipe because... Yeah, if you uh, find a good one, let's yeah. The next email is from Rob. Final email record, but not the final email. Okay. Howdy, Josh and Leia. Last week, Josh asked how many times in a row Nathan has won the coveted final email award. Let's follow the adventures of Nathan over the past month. (laughs) Okay. Episode 92, May 21st. Third to last, Nathan, the glorious ham pun email. Second to last, Rob, final email. Email Rob. Episode 93, May 28th, second to last, Dallas. Final email, Nathan. This has become a true competition. I know, we're going to have like record a leaderboard. And everything. Episode 94, June 4th, third to last, Nathan, Star Trek information. Second to last, Brantley. Final email, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 95, June 11th, second to last, Rob. Final email, Nathan. It's a me, Nathan. <laughs> Episode 96, <laughs> June 18th. Okay. Second to last, Rob. Final email, Nathan. Nathan is hailing you. 
Note, I exchanged emails with Nathan, and about a month ago, he mentioned that he was intentionally sending his last emails a few hours early to give others a chance. All that changed a few weeks ago when people started calling him out and challenging him. Now he he's is significantly his tightened up his, his game. And is harder to beat. So if you want to win the final email award, don't ta- taunt Nathan. And now, over to Nathan. Thanks, Rob. KI5GFL. That's funny. Thank you, Rob. Rob. And for the last email, this is titled Inconceivable from Nathan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well done, Nathan. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Never one to step down from a challenge (laughs) is Nathan. (laughs) Or actually, well, yeah, he was challenged. That's exactly the point. Let sleeping dogs lie is what I would say in that case. But okay. Hello, my name is K1MAZ. You killed my wallet. Prepare to QSO. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So I hear you're going to a wedding during field day. That is love. Is a wedding at least happening in a field or yard or something? I don't know where the reception is. How many? Oh, each- it's going to be a banquet hall, right? It's like yeah, a banquet hall. It's, okay. at a, it's at a wedding venue. Yeah. How many HTs can you fit on your person? Perhaps you can run an antenna around your body, sew it up and down your pants, sleeves and such, or make the 705 a belt buckle and mic running up a sleeve, or Bluetooth mic for easy cue sewing. Maybe a throat mic? <laughs> Nathan, stop trying to steal my thunder for the live stream that's going to probably be in a couple hours of you listening to this. Uh, so... Chinese weddings go all day. All day. There's like a period in the middle where I think some people nap and stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mid-wedding nap is so sweet. Yeah, because <laughs> you wake up at the crack of dawn. I, I don't think people... So everybody's going to... Uh, I'm going to try and make a video out of the wedding. I got to turn this into something. I got to I gotta make the lemonade wedding? out of these lemons. You know what's really handed. funny, though, is that Tammy's fiance mm-hmm. soon to be husband is probably the only person in the family that has genuinely engaged you in conversations he, about ham radio I, and once he gets married to her he's yeah. done it's done <laughs> he's done trying to like ingratiate the family he's it's it's on his way i think that's actually andrew's personality no it totally though. is yeah it, andrew's he's, a, a cool guy. he's a super good guy he know. is in a lot of ways he and i have a lot in common Yes. In, on many things. Yeah. He's very inquisitive, asks a lot of questions and stuff like that. So Soon you'll be related. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to turn that day into something. I'm going to try and make a video out of it because it is going to be all day. It would be impossible for me to not. If Do I, not distract the groom with your ham radio stuff. I'm not going to. You're going to like, set up something? No, I'm not going to set up Andrew anything. And Andrew would be like, what are you up to, Josh? I, I'm Tell not, me more. <laughs> I'm not going to set up anything. I'm going to walk up to him and I'm going to open my jacket and go, check this out. <laughs> I'm you're gonna on, flash it i'm transmitting on 10 meters right now uh, yours is the second ham radio wedding on the air except this time they didn't know <laughs> <laughs> who's on candid ham radio wedding yeah <laughs> i mean I, I i have my i have my uh osmo pocket too i'm gonna be vlogging it Anyway, I've got to video me cutting up that pig. I have yes, to do that. Yes. So there's there's all kinds of things I'm going to be able to record. 
I will have no shortage of content. I'm just not going to put like our family's faces all up on the video. Yes, that's a but, good know, call. Yeah. I mean, at the extended family. I don't have a problem putting my family's faces on the video. Well. Extended family. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Nathan continues, perhaps these events have already happened and you're reading this from a following week when I wrote this. Perhaps you were busy with the wedding and field day and your live stream. Understandable. Or maybe you're reading this on Friday, June 25th at around 12 to 1 a.m. <laughs> <coughs> uh, yeah. Nathan. <laughs> Nathan's parked in front of yeah. our house. Nathan has tapped into our ring cameras. <laughs> This is getting awkward, Nathan. <laughs> Thanks for everything that you do. <laughs> Thanks for the answer to my previous email. Looking at the history of my last email, my guess is Rob KI5 GFL was the previous email. <laughs> what is <laughs> Did you guys hack my email? <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Looking forward to field day. Party time. Excellent. <laughs> bye bye, K1MIZ, Nathan in Vermont. That this is a very this is uh, a weird episode. This it's <laughs> a weird episode. I feel weird. I feel like my email was hacked. I just <laughs> Nathan has superior reasoning skills. I think that was pretty good. I bet Nathan has a very high IQ. He's just he's well, so many steps ahead. The, the last email mentioned that he is talking to Nathan. Yeah, so they could have coordinated this. He Ooh. probably gave him like some insider information. Yes. Or they staged it. They sent him like a minute apart. Right. But we even did this like a Tuesday pre-recording thing. So technically, yeah. So let me think about that. So And he still got us. If we, and you know what's funny is that his I don't want to, I don't want to tip my hat because he's still, he's still on the light side if it was a, a regular Thursday recording. Oh, I guess. Yeah. But had we not did movie night with the kids before we recorded, his timing would actually have been off. Mm, possibly. Because we wouldn't be between the 12 and 1 o'clock hour. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the last email. Well, nicely done. Everyone. Congratulations, Nathan. Many an interesting Winning email. The we had call and response emails yes. with no way that anyone knew. That was crazy. That was cool. That was weird. That's... Either that or we have just completely forgot what we recorded last week. That's probably also true. Well, that's, that means it's time, Leah. It's time for the general test. It is time for the general test. Are you ready? It's. I mean, it's loaded up. It's on my screen. Okay, let's go. Ready is. <laughs> it's a state of mind. I am on question 24 of well. 35. You're moving right along. I'm, I'm Maybe just, just do all do all the rest of them. I'm not going to. Do oh, okay. That. okay. Yeah. What type of device is often used to match transmitter output impedance to an impedance not equal to 50 ohms? A antenna coupler or antenna tuner. B Q multiplier. C balanced modulator. D SWR bridge. Okay. So I would normally choose SWR, but I've never heard SWR bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my only other guess would be antenna coupler or tuner. 
because that's supposed to tune your antenna, right, to right. your transmitter. And I don't know what not equal to 50 ohms is, and I feel like everything in the general test has always been throwing me off by this, like, individual qualifier that I have no idea cha- how it changes. <coughs> the- yeah. Well, I will explain this when you, when you answer. I'm going to go with the antenna coupler or antenna tuner. I'm correct. Okay. There are antennas that present higher impedance than 50 ohms to your radio. If okay. You, we've mentioned this before on the podcast, I think. Definitely mentioned on my videos. But radios, today's radios, with their coax feed line input, the input coming into the radio is expected to be a 50 ohm load okay 50 ohms of impedance on that coax line coming into the radio if the coax goes from your radio to your antenna and it's 50 ohms when it gets to the antenna then everything's good if however you're using an antenna that is not a 50 ohms impedance then you need to put something in between it to trick your radio into seeing it as a 50 ohm impedance. Okay? okay. Because if it isn't, and so here's the really big thing, okay? Let's just pick out a number. Is 400. the SWR bridge real? Uh, I think so, but it doesn't okay. matter. I'm not, let, let's stay on topic here. So here's what happens. Let's assume the feed point of the antenna. Let's just throw out 400 ohms, okay? That's just a number I picked up, okay? Okay. If you took 400 ohms, connected it to coax to your radio at 50 ohms, you would show a big SWR difference. Okay. That is how you determine that you have a mismatch to the antenna. Your SWR becomes high. Oh. That's when SWR is, it is the ratio of mismatch of the 50 ohms line impedance to the antenna. So you put something in the middle that tricks the radio into thinking that the input and output of your coax, right, however you're using it, is 50 ohms. And we use tuners to do that, which is a horrible name because the tuner is not changing any characteristics of the antenna. It does nothing to the antenna. It just tricks the radio. And trick is the wrong word. It just presents a 50 ohm impedance to the antenna. Right, because because as you change bands of operation and frequencies that you're operating on, the characteristic impedance coming into the radio from the feed line will be seen differently on the radio. Basically, so that's when the transmatch is another word, our tuner comes into play to match the radio to the antenna. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, the next question is, what is the inductance of a 20 millihenry inductor connected in series with a 50 millihenry inductor? Okay. And my options are A, 1,000 millihenrys, B, 14.3 millihenrys, C, 70 millihenrys, D, 0.07 0.07 millihenries. Okay. 
So I'm just looking at this in a way that the numbers would relate to each other. Well, there's actually a calculation to do this. I don't remember it. And it's not adding them together. (laughs) Maybe it is. Because one answer is adding them together. Yes. (laughs) So... And it's not adding them together and then dividing by 100. (laughs) Oh. Hey. I guess it's actually dividing by one. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to add them together. That's correct. There you go. You add them together. Nicely done. <laughs> now they, they are in serial, right? So what does serial in, mean? In they're on series. the same line. Series. In series. So they're, they're not in serial. The, it's a serial. It's a serial <laughs> line. It's in series. Whatever. Seri- series means that one comes after the next in right. a circuit instead of in parallel. In parallel. Right. That's a different calculation. Right. So adding them together makes sense. Yes. When choosing a transmitting frequency, what should you do to comply with good amateur practice? A, ensure that frequency and mode selected are within your license class privilege. B, all of these choices are correct. C, monitor the frequency before transmitting. D, follow generally accepted band plans agreed to by the amateur radio community. B, all of these choices are correct. That is a solid one for all these choices are correct. There aren't many of them, but that's a good one. <laughs> Which mode of voice communication is most commonly used on the HF frequency or uh, the, on the HF amateur bands? A, phase modulation. B, frequency modulation. C, double sideband. Oh, C, double sideband. D, single sideband. I totally spaced on the question. What was the question? Which mode of voice communication is most commonly used on the HF amateur bands? Oh, that should be a gimmick. single sideband. You right? got it. Yeah. Great. Wow. I don't want to say anything. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. What is the appropriate action if, when operating on either the 30-meter or 60-meter bands, a station in the primary service interferes with your contact? A, Increase your transmitter's power to (laughs) overcome the interference. B, notify the FCC's regional engineer in charge of the interference. Oh, yes. (laughs) C, attempt to contact the station and request that it stop the interference. D, move to a clear frequency or stop transmitting. And say the question on this one again. What is the appropriate action if, when operating on either 30-meter or 60-meter bands, Mm -hmm. a station in the primary service interferes with your contact? Did you get the question? The the primary service. Yes. D, move to a clear frequency or stop transmitting. There's a key word in there. So 60-meter, 30-meter. I'd be like, I'm not not moving for anyone. (laughs) That is called the keeping it real rule in ham radio. (laughs) My literally, my first instinct was like, I, I'm pretty sure they want me to select this, but <laughs> but I'm offended. Uh, yeah, I'm so, gonna stand up for myself. <laughs> that's right. That's right, Leia. You should definitely do that because the primary I user have to tell them <laughs> because the primary user is the United States military. <laughs> so 
you want to make sure when you when you do contact the station as as recommended when you call them you want to say i want to speak to the manager of the military yes <laughs> that's what you do and then you get to talk to biden <laughs> And you get to talk to some lovely individuals that are going to have two letters on their arm, and it's going to be M and P. Uh, why would the MP come out? Well, you're calling the military. The military police is likely the one. I mean, I don't no, know. No, because I'm know. not in the military. I, we're saying the MPs. I'm don't saying military as a broad. Like I'm not picking a branch. I'm just saying military. It's very dumb what we're okay. doing here. But anyway, okay. I do. I think an alphabet boy would actually show up. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. You'd get a letter, baby. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, we are not ham radio operators. Are not the primary users of the 30 meter and the 60 meter band so if a primary station shows up by the way i would just argue that if you get like if you get weird interference you don't know what's going on just get the heck off the frequency just just move it's fine just just no m- you double on. down <laughs> and you tell people exactly. i know my rights i know my rights i'm a sovereign ham radio citizen i'm licensed i'm licensed i don't know how i got here how am i both a, ham, a sovereign ham radio citizen and i'm licensed i'm a walking contradiction I know my rights. I know my rights. I don't even know what accent I'm doing right uh, now. I'm, just it's, like, I'm sure it's offensive. I've, I'm, I'm sure what I'm, I'm like old timey mad. I'm like, uh, like I'm going for I'm, I'm going for a, a San Francisco prospector in the 49 49er era, uh, pre the uh, discovery of radio frequencies. Yes. <laughs> All right, last question. Today right? I'm playing. This a, is the last question. Uh, yeah, let's yeah. go with that. Which let's try wire and blow that record you got going or wires in a four conductor connection should be attached to fuses or circuit breakers in a device operated from a two forty vac single phased source? A only the two wires carrying voltage. B all wires. C only the ground wire. D only the neutral wire. This should be a gimme, but I know you don't know this stuff. So which wire or wires in a four-conductor connection should be attached to fuses or circuit breakers in a device? Uh, Only the two wires carrying voltage. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Now, is that just you logicked it out? (laughs) Yes. You're like, which two wires? Yes. The two hot ones. Yes. Yes. Because the other one was single, right? Single ground, single neutral. You know, all nice wire, all wires are beautiful. You know, you, don't have to <laughs> you know what, Leia? <laughs> now you're thinking like a ham. It's finally sinking in. How many podcasts have we done now? The the indoctrination is 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 working. Okay. Leia, you did a fantastic job with the email correspondence and taking the, the test here. You, Thank you got you. every one of them right. Congratulations. Uh, Air high five. Oh, you know what? Because on the HRC podcast, I am not doing it. Discord channel. I'm not going to eat two York peppermint. Somebody came up with a fantastic idea that if I get more than four correct, that you should have to eat two peppermint patties stacked on top of each other. Here, give me one too. You can't just eat a York peppermint patty by yourself. I'll unwrap one for you. Here you go. Yeah. Why is this smushed? Because our children are probably sitting you on the back. You have to eat two on top of each other. This one's also Maybe smart. you'll like it more if you have two at Maybe the same time. Maybe more mint is the solution. Yeah. 
You like mint chocolate chip ice cream, though. No, I don't. You should. No, I don't. You don't? Mm-mm. But you like the It's It. Which... In that specific instance, yes. Chocolate Mint chocolate is Ben's favorite. It is. So you've hurt him to his core. I just, it's fine. What? See, no, you didn't even eat the whole thing. I'm trying to do you a just podcast gotta give here. It a, you got to give it a shot. I will continue talking. You know, like one of the cardinal so sins you... of podcast is you don't eat when you're doing a podcast. Really? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. But I'm going to talk while you experience the taste sensation. What so would you say is in the middle no, of this thing? Uh, <laughs> like, what is this made of? Are there no podcast mukbangs? <laughs> just... Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> People just, it's ASMR, right? Oh, it's... gross. <laughs> So gross. <laughs> How? What do you think? You've got the whole thing in your mouth now. You're you're getting the whole sensation. Not... <laughs> Would you think this is the first one I've ever had? <laughs> no, just the first one after you've so deeply offended the York peppermint. Patty. I'm not offending it. I said it exists in the space that it exists in, and everybody's <laughs> trying to say it's way better than it is. What? Again, you guys are punching way out of your league. This is It's the appropriate good. weight class. It is good. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Would I put this in a top three of candy? No. No. All right. And I think all you chaos engineers in the Discord podcast that said, oh, no, I really like the Yorks, you're not putting this on your top three. You're not. I bet they are. Oh, my God. I, I can't. I can't. There are things that people think that they like, and then there are things that people actually like. Okay. Uh, you know what? Fine. Fair enough. I'm not yucking anybody's yum here. I think yeah. it's good. I just am not going to pick one of these up and like be like, oh, it's candy time. I'm I mean, maybe not if you were a child, but as an adult, you know? What, who are you talking to right now? No, but I'm am saying. Am I a child? I just made a statement like of maybe, my personal Maybe opinion. you didn't like York peppermint patties when you got them in a Halloween-like trick-or-treat kind of situation. I ate a ton of York peppermint patties as a kid. My grandma right. had a candy bowl that was just York peppermint patties. I had like one every time I went to grandma's house. See? Possibly two or three. See? It was the only candy she had. Yes. So yes, I'm going... <laughs> because she what? had good taste. <laughs> in a candy drought, you will 100% of the time eat a York peppermint patty. There's a slogan they can go with. When you have no other candy, you will eat a Taste York peppermint sensation. patty. Taste the sensation of having no other candy available at your grandma's house. And this is what you have. Taste the sensation. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe, maybe that's why you're so biased against them. Why? All right. Well, what's the show topic today? <laughs> well, we're we're moving on to talking about the ISS SSTV event. Mm-hmm. You are listening to this. You got one day basically to get this all together. The ISS is downlinking SSTV images. Every pass it's making around our globe, they are transmitting to Earth in what's called the footprint, the space at which the RF circular space of rf that they paint from their antenna from their transmitter to earth and if you have an antenna that can pick up these transmissions you will actually be able to decode the audio signal coming off of the iss and turn it into a beautiful image right and and they're not going to send you any images of ladies 
No. <laughs> but oddly enough, when you were talking about um, the space shuttle had the ability to receive images. Yes. I'm lots like, of people were sending is, lady this images. This is exactly what they were doing. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm you on get your lonely game. in space, right? Well, that's. Uh, you, you just rocket manned yourself. <laughs> what does that mean? It's lonely out in space. <laughs> A rocket man. Uh, I, wasn't I didn't aware expect that. that. That was something a person could do. I didn't expect that. It's lonely out in space. So send me SSTV <laughs> of ladies. Now I just need a picture of Josh's face superimposed on an Elton John picture. No, no. Don't superimpose my face on Elton John. Superimpose my face over Kurt Shatner, or <laughs> William Shatner. Kurt would... I don't even know what I was doing with that one. Yeah. Bill Shatner. Uh, Bill Shatner did a lounge version version of Rocket Man, and it is something. It was like an award show. What? And he comes out. He was like the host. He comes out. There was multiple segments of him singing Bill Shatner. He is and the he, like, smarmiest. Yes. He, <laughs> William Shatner chews a scene harder than anyone like that you can see that that acts professionally and he comes out on set and this is back like when in, everybody in let's Hollywood let's have your smoked. Shatner impression go ahead no no no, no I'm not gonna do that <laughs> uh, he came out on set sat down with like his jacket off like you know end of the night kind of thing it actually might have been the last song I don't know and he starts smoking a cigarette and singing Rocket Man okay and it's okay, super I've definitely played it for you before. There's even a shot, you know, like the old school, like glamour shots that people would get, like, and I'm talking 80s glamour shots. The where, best of glamour shots. Where it would be like, you'd see the full, like most of the whole person. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be like a, a dissolve and it would just be their face in the corner. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? They did that like on the recording. So they, they did like the full Bill Shatner sitting on the stage and then they'd zoom in on his face going, countdown, it's going to be a long time. You know, that whole, it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, zero yeah. hour, 9 a.m. You, see, you did it anyway. No, that's not, that's, that is a affected, a super affected Bill Shatner uh, voice. But anyway, yeah, go, go watch uh, Bill Shatner. Rocket Man, it's ridiculous. All okay. right, so what's your SSTV setup? Well, I'm trying to explain. The ISS is constantly transmitting these images to Earth as it's passing, and they do this for a period of time, and then they shut the whole thing off. And it's just this cycle of images. They're like collectible cards, basically, that they're firing off that you can turn from audio into an image. It takes a couple of minutes to decode it. it so depending on when the pass or when the pass becomes visible to you, they may be in the middle of a of an image, and generally it'll it'll go for a little while. They'll complete the image. They'll wait a little bit, and then a new image will start up. So I'm going to start out explaining how you can get started with this very cheaply, very inexpensively, and then work all the way up to like godly setups. And I've got a couple of different setups here that we can talk about. Right now, I am actively decoding SSTV in my shack. I have my laptop connected to an SDR device connected to an antenna, and I'm receiving IS, uh, the SSTV stuff coming off the ISS. We'll talk about that, though, as we go a little further on. Okay, 
So what you need to to do this generally, particularly if you are going to be the person operating the radio, if you're going to have to sit there and hold the radio and do the whole thing, you're going to need tracking software. There are a myriad of websites. Skies Above uh, is one of them. Um, we'll we'll post the link in the description for some other ones. But if you just search ISS tracking so, uh, tracking website, you, you'll get up to date information on where the ISS is and when it will pass over your location based off of your zip code or your geographic location. Or you can download an iPhone app or an Android app for tracking the ISS. I like uh, GoSat Watch for amateur radio operators on iPhone. That's what I use. You can, it's a multi-use device and you can, or a multi-use app. You can track both the ISS and all the amateur radio satellites, all satellites pretty much with it. It's pretty cool. You will need a Baofeng or an appreciable VHF, UHF radio, although you only care about VHF. Oh, appreciable. Hang on. Oh, I'm out of drink. You oh, said appreciable I so said appreciable. much. Uh, a radio that does VHF and then a phone that can run an app for decoding SSTV. There is an SSTV app on the iPhone that's produced by Black Cat Systems that you can download and run, and that you just hold the phone microphone up against the speaker of the radio, and you kind of hold the broad side of the antenna at where the ISS is, and you kind of just track it along the sky. So you may need a computer to show you where it is above you, as you as you track and you can get a pretty good image that way a surprisingly good image if you do it like that way and most of you already have this equipment so you can get started with this right now you just have to be awake when there is a pass sometimes that's not always the case a better setup though take your rtl wait, what about, wait so yeah. you're saying with a baofeng mm-hmm. or radio that does uhf Mm-mm. vhf oh sorry vhf um, you can you can receive it, mm-hmm. but what are you recording it on? That's why I said you you running an app on your phone that will decode the audio signals into SSTV. Right, but so you just have the app open at the same time yeah. that it's receiving, <coughs> yeah. Instead of recording it, I mean, you could do it that way too if you wanted to. By the way, the the frequencies that this is all happening on. Uh, for the ISS is 145.800 megahertz FM. Okay? Okay. So, yeah, you could record it if you had the equipment to record, but some people don't, and so I just said get the app. You don't have to record anything. But if you wanted to record it, what do you recommend recording it on? Well, I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry, sorry. Still your thunder. Well, I mean, however you want to record it. There's, there's, iPhone can do recording or Android can do recording. You can just record the audio signal if you want. Okay. But if you want to see the image, I think most of these apps will take, they'll record both the audio signal and show you the image as it's decoding it. You know, that whole thing. So anyway. what do you do? You just strap your phone to your Baofeng? And you just hold the microphone pointing <laughs> at the speaker. You're making this really complicated. <laughs> Um, I mean, how many hands do you have, though? You've got the Baofeng, you've got the iPhone, and then you have to wave the antenna so not, that the broad you ta- side You just hold is... them together and just go like this. That's it. You just pass it overhead in an arcing fashion. Okay. The mode that they use, so there's a lot of different SSTV modes. The mode that they use for these passes is PD-180 is the mode. 
That may not be important for some of these apps. Some of them are probably smart enough that they can switch to the appropriate mode, and then you're just uh, you're, you're you're already decoding. Okay, so if you want a better setup, an RTL SDR, uh, SDR dongle or some cheap dongle that you can get off of Amazon. Again, uh, link in the description for the Hammer to Crash Course Amazon store. If you don't own one, these things are like twenty five bucks. And I think we have a couple that I that I link to the RTL SDR or the new Alec. Um, N-O-O-E-L-E-C, all one word, dongle. A laptop that's running SDR software, generally on Windows, you're going to use M-M-S-S-T-V, all one word, free software. You're going to need, this is where it starts getting a little bit more advanced though, because what you need to do here is you need to take the SDR software that connects to your SDR dongle and pipe it into another application. What SDR software normally wants to do is just pipe that audio out into the speakers or your micro or your speaker jack on your computer. So you're going to use something called virtual audio cable. It's available online. I bought a license to this, although I believe you can get the A cable version of the software for free or at least in a trial. What this software does is it creates two audio devices. One is an input audio device and the other is an output audio device. So from your SDR software, which by the way, you can go to, if you go to RTL SDR, just Google RTL SDR, and you say software, you will get the uh, link to their big, it's called like the big page of SDR software. And so for whatever operating system you're running, you can have some SDR software that you, you can load on your computer. So this will work with Linux or Mac or Windows, whatever you want to do. At that point, once you have the audio interface installed, which you'll have to restart your computer to do this, you're going to put the A cable, the input cable, on the SDR software as its output. And then you're going to put the input into MMSSTV. And I believe how to do that is you go to Options, uh, MMTV Setup, and on the Receive side, you're going to select that audio input as the audio input. Uh, there's probably more to that, but it's a fairly straightforward program. You should be able to figure it out. Oh, I went to go download that Black Hat app Mm -hmm. because I think I'm going to go out and try to do this. And because we're on a family plan, I don't have to pay for it. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Okay. Then as far as antenna goes, okay, so this is where you're going to get differing opinions. I have a nice 15-foot collinear vertical antenna outside that antenna for me works fantastically particularly when i'm asleep um for sstv so long as the pass is not a direct overhead pass because if the iss passes directly overhead the null of that vertical antenna is the tip pointing vertically however if i've got a nice 40 degree pass I'll hear that perfectly because that's the broad side of the antennas. The ISS comes over the horizon, goes to, you know, 45 degrees and then comes back down um, as it's coming over its its apogee. You get a nice broadside shot of all the RF coming off of it and you get some really good images that way. That's a better setup. An even better setup, but this kind of goes back to a more proactive type of, of thing. Get yourself a decent Yagi. That could be an elk antenna or an aero antenna. Uh, we're going to come back with the tracking software at this point, run it on your phone or whatever. 
you're going to have an H, uh, an HT again, something with uh, VHF, UHF, or again, you don't need UHF, just VHF. If that HT has a audio record capability, this would be a really good idea that you turn that audio recording on. Uh, while we're here, I should have mentioned this in the beginning, you want to make sure the squelch is off. Turn your squelch off. It's going to make things a lot easier if you just have the squelch off. So do that now. Start recording the audio. Use the Yagi to point at the ISS as whatever it's going in the past. So bring back that laptop or, again, your phone. You can just use the phone to track the ISS while you record the audio in an HT. And there's a couple of HTs do that. The FT3DR does that. The Kenwood D74 does that. Now, it would be a good idea to include an audio splitter into this arrangement at that point. An audio splitter can go to earphones that you listen to. So you get pretty good at this. You can actually hear when you're directly on the ISS with the SSTV coming off of it and when it starts to move off because the signal will start to degrade. It'll start to get a little bit quieter. And so you can kind of just follow it to make sure that you maintain uh, the good uh, SNR signal-to-noise ratio. At that point, you could tap in an audio recorder, like a plug-in audio recorder. I also have one of those linked on the Hammer Radio Crash Course Amazon store that you can find. Link is in the description. Uh, most of the satellite guys use like a $50 Sony recorder. It's pretty nice. It has a little USB plug that comes out of it. That's a pretty cool device. And then you can have two forms of audio recording, one on the HT, one on an audio recorder, or you still you know, bring back that Baofeng. Just use the Baofeng and do that. Then... Take the audio recording and load it into MST, MMSSTV on your laptop. That audio recording will get played out like you recorded it live, and it will decode it live right there. Now, the got, that's a really good setup. That, that, that would be a fun setup because you, you got to go out there and manually do it and get involved. And it's a fun thing. You can show people. You can take a recording, and then you can show them the decoding and all that cool stuff. The godly setup, though, is if you had like an auto-tracking Yagi that, uh, you know, would be on your roof or somewhere that would connect to your computer, and your computer would be telling the Yagi exactly where to be pointed at every second, probably even better than that. You'd maintain a high level of accuracy pointed at the ISS, and it would track it all the way through the whole pass and also pipe that audio um, your radio would be connected to the antenna, so it would pipe that audio into the computer, bring back the MMS, MMSSTV. You're decoding those images. That's going to be the best quality that you can get. Of course, there's people that use helical antennas. We mentioned that earlier on the stream. You can use uh, the dipole like I used for the NOAA decoding that I built out of copper, uh, tiny quarter-inch diameter copper plumbing. There's a project on Thingiverse where you can print the body that the copper plugs into. That'll work too, but not as, yeah, it depends. It depends on the quality of the pass that you're dealing with. If it's like a directly overhead pass and you point the V, the legs of the V, in the direction of the satellite coming towards you or coming towards the antenna, that would do pretty well. I, I think that would do really well, actually. <laughs> but um, it, it, it depends. The best thing to do, though, is if you haven't done any of this, is just go back to the first thing. Take your Baofeng outside, hold your phone up to it, and record the audio, and then replay it, or get one of these apps and then just do it live. So We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, so that's the that's it. That's the main uh, point of the whole thing. I think it's really easy to do this, and I think it's a lot of fun. It's kind of magical that you can say, 
check this out. And you hold your radio up and you start picking up this weird audio signal. And, and they're always like, what's that? What's that? And you're like, hold on. And then, you know, you hold your phone up and it starts, it's like a live printing. It like live prints it onto the phone display. It, it takes a really long time just for one image, right? It takes multiple minutes to make this work. So it's, it's kind of magical for people seeing it the first time. It's pretty cool. So the next ISS pass from when we're recording right now will be at 4.30 a.m. Yeah, they're all like super early for us. Wow. Yeah. That's why I have a laptop that is <laughs> on right now and will stay on. And it's just doing the MM SSTV thing without us having to be awake. I don't think I'm going to run outside. No? How, how much... Of- in advance, do you need to be set up <laughs> before the pass? You don't really need that much setup time. You just need to build the Yagi and leave it like by the door or whatever. I need to build a Yagi? No. Oh. <laughs> the Yagi I have doesn't remain in Yagi form. It's pieces. Oh, gotcha. You gotta screw the pieces together. It's it's simple, though. It's not difficult. And I'm like, if I need to build a Yagi before 4.30, <laughs> we gotta really wrap this up. Yeah, we gotta wrap this up. <laughs> Well, anyway, guys, we had a lot of fun making this. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And the fact you listen and send us feedback means a lot to us. So until we talk to you again, 73. 73.